Hey, kids, do you like wrestling? Well, we like wrestling, too. We are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Myself and Chris Novembrino kind of doing a lazy river of wrestling criticism, going through the news and whatever happened in stateside television wrestling. And also, you know what? Sometimes we just like to watch old stuff and talk about that, too. Love for you to give us a listen. If you haven't already, we are Shake Them Ropes here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. What do you guys want to talk about? You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. What has yes, being no. annoying stopped you ever? That's an excellent point. <laughs> an excellent point. That's part of the charm. Rich Crage. And I could be, I'm allowed to be a work rate nerd for the G1. I don't, I just want them to have great matches and a wheel like kill themselves. I don't care. It's not my body. I just want to watch great matches. Stop yelling at me. I agree. <laughs> And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? Well, you know, I uh, just wanted to come on this show this week and honor the career of Ice Train who passed away and, and start the show like we always do when someone passes away. and. Mm-hmm. And uh, and eulogize them and and talk about them and it's. it's just I was gonna a shame. Wa- I was gonna play that theme music as well. The incredible all time great Ice Train theme music. I couldn't wait. I queued it up. I got it ready. I put fades in it, saying, "Oh man, we're gonna have this play in the background, and then we'll fade it in and fade it out." And yeah, it's just a shame because you know I think that uh, you know there's a lot of people who probably would want to hear about the career of Ice Train, and we'll get to that obviously later on, but. Um, unfortunately it's impossible not to start with the news that broke today about Vince McMahon in the follow-up of the allegations that forced him out of the company, uh, about a year and a half ago, I guess, wouldn't that have been, uh, late summer, 2022 or July, July of 2022. Um, Yeah. So now today the wall street journal acquired, the uh, I guess what how would you phrase it? I guess they got a hold of the lawsuit being filed by the uh, the victim, and um, Vince McMahon is back front and center in the news today as the Wall Street Journal breaks that story. So unfortunately, we can't just come on here and do our silly little uh, wrestling talk show because uh, a much more serious topic has to take front and center and. Um, I don't know. I'm just sick and tired of talking about this guy. And look, we knew eventually, you you know, we knew this story wasn't going to go away forever. Uh, We knew eventually there would probably be some lawsuits. Who knows if at some point there's going to be an arrest or charges or anything uh, legal from from that standpoint that that come out of this. Uh, Who can tell? But uh, as of now, there there is a lawsuit, the details of which were reported today by the Wall Street Journal. And um, as of a couple of hours ago, Vince McMahon and TKO did respond. A spokesman for Vince. I've got the quote here. Yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't have it, I, I, I have it. But go ahead. Says, and I quote, this lawsuit is replete with lies, 
obscene made-up instances that never occurred, and a, vindic- a vindictive distortion of the truth, he, meaning Vince, will vigorously defend himself. End quote. Uh, TKO, earlier today, this was from uh, the company's executive chairman. I don't have the fella's name, but here's the quote. Mr. McMahon does not control TKO, nor does he oversee the day-to-day operations of WWE. While this matter predates our TKO executive team's tenure at the company, we take Ms. Grant's horrific allegations very seriously and are addressing this matter internally, end quote. Trying to get that guy's name. This is from uh, Deadline, where I'm getting these quotes. Okay, yeah, I, a lot of places don't have his, the the name there. I, saw, I know I saw it earlier, but I was also, while you were trying to read it, trying to figure out what that dude's name was uh, that said it, but I can't seem to, to, to find it either. So, yeah, just... A spokesperson at TKO, but yeah, there wasn't. Na- I feel like there was a name put to it earlier, but now I can't seem to find that name. So I don't know. Uh, let's see. Is the executive chairman of TK? Well, I guess they have a bunch of executive. Chairs. Right, that right, right. Help. So um, anyway, we'll try to grab whoever that was. But that was a spokesman for TKO. Um, if you're living under a rock, or if or, or somehow you just have been busy today and you missed the story, basically, should hit the fan here with uh, the allegations from. Um, the 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 victim from a year and a half ago, and just heinous heinous details as detailed in the um in the lawsuit, which I you know I don't think we're going to go through. No, the I don't. I, we're not going to, and I don't want to. If you want to, it's all there. It's very easy to find. Uh, numerous wrestling websites have links to the lawsuit. It's what seventy six pages or something like that. It's public. It's not hard to see. I'm not interested in doing that. I'm not interested in in in, in saying those things and talking about those things because I think a lot of it is just absolutely horrific and and just some of the worst and, shit you'll ever see. And and that's just I don't want to do that. It's just not honestly. It's unnecessary. Here's what people need to know. Okay, he's uh, you know, there's text message conversations in addition to allegations from the uh, from the victim, and there are flat out clear cut accusations of rape that's what we're dealing with here yeah sex trafficking and rape and the sex trafficking yes is now now i think the sex trafficking piece of it might have some people confused um i saw some very stupid people trying to defend vince from that standpoint but they don't understand what sex trafficking means i I saw that legal standpoint we we don't have to give those people oxygen Uh, but yeah no and we we won't but i want to make sure our listeners who care about this stuff understand what that component of it means this this basically means that she was transported across state lines and then assaulted in many cases which would constitute sex trafficking is is what the allegations entail so um she would be uh, brought across state lines or brought to where they're holding events or brought to hotels or brought to Vince's condo or, 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 or other places, sometimes under false pretense uh, and then assaulted or sometimes brought with full intent of, you know, sexual activity and then different types of sexual activity would take place. And again, if you need the details, it's all there and it's public. But um, that's what we're dealing with here. There's there's flat out accusations of uh, multiple accusations of a sexual assault slash rape all throughout the lawsuit. Um, and they also involve and named specifically John Laurinaitis as and, and look, we knew he was involved from the start. He was already fired. Right. Pre TKO. 
because uh, as we already knew from the original go round with this, uh, she had been working in the company, I believe, in the legal department. And Correct. once she began her sexual relationship with McMahon, uh, eventually she was transferred to work directly for John Laurinaitis. And um, we did not know the extent of the allegations at that time, but uh, but what we did know is essentially she was being, as it was phrased at the time, uh, for lack of a classier way of putting it, being passed around from Vince to Laurinaitis. And now with today's lawsuit, there is, uh, ex- you know, extremely detailed and graphic descriptions of what exactly that meant in terms of, uh, uh, you know, so so being transferred to work directly under Laurinaitis, um, you know, entail him, you know, assaulting her on a near daily basis, according to the lawsuit with groping and coercion and things like that. And um, threesomes with McMahon and Laurinaitis, uh, some of which detailed in the lawsuit uh, were, were clearly non-consensual. There was a story where they locked her in a room. uh, Yeah, basically they locked her in a room and, 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 and they allegedly raped her on a conference table. So that's the kind of stuff we're dealing with here. And the lawsuit goes into extremely explicit detail including many of the text messages uh, between McMahon and, um, and the victim. So um, it's really heavy stuff. And, and, you know, I read the whole thing and, um, you know, it's just me personally, I can read stuff like that. You know, it's not that it doesn't affect me, but it, you know, it, 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 it was all deeply heinous. But I would warn you, if you're someone who struggles with reading things like that, or if you know someone who was assaulted, if you were assaulted and it might hit you a certain way, I'd probably stay away from it. Honestly, it's pretty absolutely. Brutal. Yeah. I, and it's, it's and it's not just like it's one or two. I mean, in reading that, it's like I said, it was 76 pages or something like that. And it was every time you read a new paragraph, you're like, oh, God, oh, God. you just get hit over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Every single paragraph with new heinous things next the next one worse than the one before and and it is a it's an all-out assault on your senses man it is uh yeah like you said definitely definitely be mindful uh if you are maybe sensitive to that sort of stuff this might not be the one maybe just you, you know are, take read our the cliff word notes. For it that, yeah <laughs> yeah and and if you are take our word for it that as bad as you think it might be it, it might even actually be worse mm-hmm. some of the some of the uh descriptions and and you know, just the I, violence. I don't, I don't, There's a lot of violence involved in the it. The violence yeah. involved. And listen, and and I, I don't even mean I don't mean this in a facetious way or or a joking way at all. I, I by no means am a prude. I think everyone understood, you know, longtime listeners would agree with that. Um, but even I would say that a, a lot of the things here um you know would would are going to uh if you're if you're not ready for it, it's pretty, it's hard to read. It's a, it's a rough read. I mean, it, it's for anyone, you know? Um, so I would recommend just staying away from it and, and take our word that it's probably worse than you think. Um, you know, and it has, and like Rich just said, it escalates, you know, it, it starts off bad and it ends with this person is every bit the monster that some of us already knew he was. Right. I don't know if there's a better way to put it. No, he's a ghoul. I mean, it, he's a fucking ghoul. And, and it continues to get just worse and worse. And it, 
and and it, it, it's almost like you know you, you think and, and it's not like it starts innocently it starts awful right <laughs> well and ends... that's i i think if there's one thing to take from the lawsuit and if you don't actually read the whole lawsuit and just kind of read recaps or whatever but we'll, we'll try to do a little bit here is yes the graphic sexual things are awful and and terrible but it's also the, the what, what bookends a lot of that as well and it's the story of how she you know was basically bankrupt taking care of her elderly parents her elderly parents pass away Vince McMahon prize on that realizes that prize that like classic grooming material you know what I mean just classic just yeah. 101 grooming 101 says oh you know what I feel so terrible and oh my god how about I give you a job and how you know this manipulation and oh yeah you can get a job and the the word and, and she even alleges in the lawsuit too that like I was way underqualified for the job he gave me I, there was no reason I should have had that job and him saying oh if anybody asks don't say anything just don't worry about it. you know just just kind of classic classic stuff then little by little it's like they talk about the time when she walks into the his apartment and he's in his underwear. Oh, I'm in the closet and he's she's he's in his underwear and it's just like little stuff like that that it starts out with, and then he go through all the horrible horrific stuff in between there, and then at the end it's like, oh, I'm I'll pay for your counseling. Oh, I, you know, oh, you don't feel okay. I'll pay for your counseling, and even that comes across very manipulative and very you know just just yeah, it, it's. That stuff almost – it's not worse. Like there, It's hard to uh, prescribe what's worse in all this stuff, but you see the full scope of it from person who Vince can pry on because she is down on her luck and needs a job and needs money. So he classic just grabs her up and, and, and kind of grooms her and gets her all – and then to the point where she needs to go to counseling and stuff, and, and he just says, okay, I'll, I'll pay for this thing. And then to the, the brazen – what causes all this – the most brazen part of this all, which is as, as insane as this guy is and what a fucking ghoul this guy is, and I just don't have the energy to, to do this anymore. We, we've done this so many times. Listeners to this show know what we think about Vince McMahon, and we've never been afraid to say it. But right down to this guy has to pay a $3 million NDA, and that's what causes all this shit to happen is that this, this, this anonymous tip that he has this NDA or whatever, that there's other NDAs out there, and then the, just a brazen – brashness to just say you know what i'm not going to pay the rest of the nda fuck you pays one million dollars of the the agreed upon three million dollar nda and then just says i'll pay one million and then fuck you you'll go away you know just i don't know just because that he's get he's gotten away with everything in his entire life so why wouldn't he get away with this one too and that's what causes all this stuff to come out is because he's he just couldn't he just he he lacks any empathy or any sort of ability to to live and and think like a normal human being because he's all he's been doing ghoulish things for forty years and gets away with every single one of them. So why wouldn't he get away with this one? I get it, I get it. So he says, "Yeah, I'll agree to the three million dollar NDA. I'll pay her a million. Yeah, we're good. We'll move on." And this is what the result is: is this coming out now in this lawsuit? Basically, treating this woman who he raped repeatedly like buying the calgary territory from Stu hart and just not paying them yeah uh, yeah Stu, i'll pay I mean, you ah uh, never mind i'm not gonna pay you what are you gonna do anyway? and then just deciding to welch you know this is a person who has welched on business deals his entire career um you know and he and he brings that same mindset to something like this there's just an unfathomable amount of feeling of, of just him feeling invincible and and untouchable and and the brazenness to just say to agree to pay this woman off after doing all these things to her and then welching on the deal to cap everything else off. It's just, yeah. It's just, it's just amazing. You can't, I can't fathom having that level of 
of uh i don't know what the right word would be brazenness or or feel this feeling of just the, the feeling of feeling invincibility of power yeah power and invincibility power over someone to where mm-hmm. it's like well i i could even welch on that you know and 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 the the well and there's lines in this lawsuit as well where he you know he'll he tells her you know hey just so you know i have a very important very good lawyer I, i'm paraphrasing here i don't know the exact quote here but you yeah. know i have very important very uh, powerful and very good lawyers who uh, anybody who crosses my path or doesn't you know f- do what i you know follow my way or whatever they they end up in in very tough times or whatever just essentially halfway through it being like hey you can't leave this thing now you know you're in now and you're stuck now and you try to do anything or say anything I got lawyers and they're going to stop this and you're not going to, there was another interesting. Yeah. And there was another interesting text message he sent to her where um, it seemed as though she was concerned that Laura Nitus might um, spread around some photos of her or, or some text messages that were going to make her uh, look bad. And, 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 and what he says to her is also pretty telling. He says, yeah, if some of this stuff gets out, uh, Johnny, they refer to him as Johnny throughout the lawsuit, John Laurinaitis. He says, yeah, Johnny could lose his job and you could lose your job. So you guys better be careful. Like, not concerned about himself at all. Like, that, again, displays how mm-hmm. untouchable he felt he was, where he he's agreeing with her that, yes, this is bad, but for you guys. Right. I'll be fine. I'm Vince McMahon. Yeah, you guys are going to lose your jobs here if you're not careful about spilling these details or whatever it was that she was concerned with. Um, and, and it, it, it just escalates. It's almost the lawsuit almost is, is it, it builds almost like a start to finish horror story, except it's this woman's real life where it just escalates as it moves along. And eventually it's just more and more of just complete disregard for her boundaries, her consent, her, her limits, her, you know, just, you know, brazen accusations of, of him. Like there was a, there was a quote that she alleges from him where he literally says, no means yes. She said to him, no means yes. Before he and Laurenitis assault her on a conference table. I mean, it's just as clear cut as that, you know, um, inserting things into her body with her telling him, no, don't do this. And then her pleading with him, how injured she is and how she can't meet up with him for more sex because he injured her the last time. And again, we're, we're not even getting, no, these are, we're, we're, we're 10% as graphic as the lawsuit. Right. Right. You know, to give you an idea and it just, just straight up allegations of, of in some cases, gang rape. I mean, it's just, Beyond the pale, awful. More than now. Now, the the the, the odd thing about it is, I, I'm reading this thing, and I'm not all that. I'm not completely shocked. No, and that's 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 this unfortunately. Is who he is. Yeah, that's I unfortunately mean, what the tenor of this entire episode is going to be. If people wanted us, and people are like, "Oh man, you guys are going to really give it to Vince," it's like I don't have the energy to give it to Vince anymore. We've given it to Vince for 12 years on this show. We've given it to Vince numerous times uh, we, we we came on here and danced on his fucking grave when he resigned in 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 shame in july of 2022 or whatever eventually while others were throwing flowers at him right, right. while others were saying ah, i hate him or love his, him yeah. you can't you can't deny what he's done for this gotta wrestling business yeah you gotta hand it to him or uh Not you here. know 
certain guys that might be the COOs of uh, AEW would say, ah, as long as you got to call him legendary, whatever you call him, you got to call him legendary. But not us. No, we did that entire show, Dance at His Grave. I sat in a hotel weight room for uh, you and I to just go through for two hours, basically, and talk about what a fucking ghoul this guy has been for 40 years and all the stuff he's done from the Rita Chattertons to the Mel Phillips to the, you know, just time and time and time and time again. And Ashley Massaro and all these things that we talked about. And it's like, man, I'd love to come on here again and do that, but I don't have the energy because guess what? We dance on his grave. We said, finally, this ghoul is done. And he came back and he's more powerful than ever. And he's richer than ever. And it's like, all right, I don't know. Maybe something will stick to him. Maybe this is the one. I don't know. I kind of thought that would be the one. I thought something would stick to this guy ever, and it never has. And that's kind of where I was, too. I'm reading this thing, and I know a lot of people are just shocked and stunned. And I'm just like, yeah, this is part for the core. This is probably, uh, yeah, I'm sure. This is Vince. This sounds all like shit that Vince would do. Right down to the, you know, passing the vo- the videos around and passing photos around backstage. And, hey, look at what, uh, look at this. Uh, yeah, look at this. You could absolutely see Vince McMahon walking around with nude photos of this woman. Say, oh, look, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, just because that's what he is. That's what he's always been. And, and it's like none of this. It seems weird to say that, that none of this is shocking. And I'm not surprised by any of that, because I know that a lot of people are, are, are feeling that way and feeling, oh, my God, what the heck is going on here? But it's like, man, this this guy's been doing this shit for 40 years. So it's like I. I I don't know if I have that same energy that we had on that show to, to dance on this guy's grave because it's just, no, it never it, sticks to yeah. him. It never sticks to him. Never, never sticks. Maybe, maybe this time I, I suspect that TKO is going to wash their hands of him. I, I know that TKO is not the most, I mean, Dana White on video <laughs> smacked the taste out of his wife's mouth and they didn't do anything about that. Um, You know, perhaps because they were both drunk and never, I, look, I don't know, but um. I would think this is so beyond the pale and the fact that you he's not in power anyway, that they just have to rid themselves of this man. Um, the problem is if he was involving John Laurinaitis, if he was brazen enough to allegedly um, brag about his, 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 you know, deeds with the, the things that he did with this woman to tech guys, as he calls them, you know, that's right there in the lawsuit too. him showing off the text messages and, and pictures and descriptions of what he had done to her to the, the tech people that worked at the television tapes. Right. And this is all alleged from her side. And, and, and then him texting her about it and then bragging about how cool they thought it was and how great it was. And, you know, it's, it's, and it went beyond bragging. It went straight up to him, you know, claiming that he was offering her up to them. And, and, you know, it, it, it just, you know, but but reading it all again, I wasn't all that shocked. This is a person who's been accused of rape for decades, for of other rapes for decades. You know, go back to Rita Chatterton forty years ago, and in, in you know, the, in whatever happened in the back of that limbo. This is someone who, um, you know, had a basically a child sex ring in his own company, right? That that just you know, with Mel Phillips and. And that just, you know, and fired him and then rehired a, him, you know, weeks later and just said, all and right, the Mel, guy back when everybody Mel, knew. And, no more kid rape. All right. <laughs> this is it. And, and, and there's no plausible deniability because you can go back and watch old matches where commentators are making yeah. or, or ribbing Mel Phillips on the square about his attraction to feet and children and everything. else. And it's, you know, this is the same guy who, um, you know, it, it, you go right down the line to things that wouldn't qualify as heinous, you know, such as, um, you know, all the Owen Hart stuff or, or, you know, imagine that, like, 
that's not as heinous. You know, right. A man died. You know, right, it's right, like, right. Like, one of it, one of his performers died money. in the ring, and he just said, "Ah, well, sorry. I mean, we got to keep going with the show. Can't can't end the pay per view. Can't end over the edge. We got to let our show or go just on." His respons- it just is the his responsibility for it with the sloppy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, you know, attachment that that malfunctioned or. You know the uh, the cover up of all the sex abuse scandals and the steroid distribution scandal and um, Terry Garvin, the exploitation of Brian Pillman's death, and and you can go on and on. Leaving his crew in Saudi Arabia after a dispute with the Saudi Arabian government over payment for one of their blood money shows. And essentially, his crew was left as hostages on an air, on a grounded airplane. Except I mean, him and, and Brock just, and a few other guys that, uh, you know. Who got the hell out of there on a private jet, mm-hmm. right? With no care of, of everyone else. You can, we can name, you know, right down to, sh- to shitty business deals where he didn't pay people. Or, you know, there, there's just so much with him that when I'm reading this, I, while the words are heinous, I was not shocked. I mean, you need only to go back to the Playboy interview from 35, 40 years ago. And go ahead and Google that one. Google yep. the crushed leaves. Mm-hmm. Go Google the crushed leaves, and then tell me that this was uh, uh, that you that you can't believe this man is capable of what he's accused of in this lawsuit. Right, a man who covered I mean, up a murder is, uh, in his very early days as an executive in the company, and uh, yeah, no, I no. didn't even bring. I forgot Jimmy Snuka for God's sake, and Nancy Argentina. <laughs> that's like the there's so that's like much fifteenth one that you get to. Oh right, the briefcase and and hassling the local uh, uh, authorities about the Jimmy Snuka case. Oh right, yeah, there we go, that one too. And eventually getting so frustrated that he allegedly told one of the investigators, and again, I'm paraphrasing, I just did it in the Eddie Gilbert special, uh, uh, look, do you think if you're going to sully my name, I'm already in the garbage business. So say whatever, you know, when, when he was backed into a corner on covering up the snooker murder. So th- this is just, so no, while the words were heinous, I'm not surprised at all that he, this man, Vincent McMahon, was capable of doing the things that are being alleged in the lawsuit. That's what I mean when I say it didn't ultimately shock me. Right. I think he's fully capable of everything he is alleged to have done in that lawsuit. So, um, you know, and, and and if he was as brazen about the relationship as is claimed in the lawsuit, uh, there's no way that this was a secret between these three people. And then this is why Rich and I are so annoyingly um, persistent about um, – Paul Levesque never being asked one time an uncomfortable question about his father-in-law because now do people maybe see and understand Mm -hmm. why we're so persistent about that? Because if any of these people who a couple of weeks ago were uh, acting like uh, school children uh, when they received their Royal Rumble press passes and all giddy about setting up their little lunch dates with their pals if any of these people do exhibit the guts to ask Paul Levesque a question about this now, they're going to get the old no comment. But if you had been asking these questions all along, maybe we'd have something. Maybe we'd have a, a sound bite. Maybe we'd have a, a comment to work off of considering what has been unearthed since. Now you're going to go in there, and even if you do have the guts, and I bet most of them don't, if they even have the presser, which is another question, you know what? I'd be surprised if they don't cancel it because they know no one's going to have the guts to ask a real question anyway. Yeah, they're, they're, someone... they're you know, speaking of invincibility, I think that that company probably could just trot people out there and, and, and know that 
most of the people in that 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 room or at least know the people that would ask it and not call on them and just call on the people that they know are going to say hey uh, paul i'll talk about how difficult it is to juggle two royal rumbles in one night you know hey paul great show you had right uh, fantastic uh how hard is it to juggle two royal rumbles in one night you know that yeah he, he could probably he could probably do it if they even put him up there I'm sure they could still do it and, and, and they could carefully work around it. Or, you know, if someone says, you know, oh, yeah, we're in full investigation or we're in full, you know, compliance with the investigation, da, 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 just something like that. But, yeah, I mean, what, what should happen is he should say that and the next person should say, all right, well, uh, let's, you know, and, and just the entire if every if every question every should single be question this. should be about that and let him sit up there and tell you 15 times uh we have to comply with the current you know fine a different way to not comment fine a different way i don't to care not comment say it 15 different ways i'm sorry we're not talking about how hard it is to juggle two royal rumbles or what it's like to be back in the tropicana field after the thunderdome or or what it's like to you know be in in uh you know where you know on the road to wrestlemania how exciting it is to be no 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 i don't care none of that shit matters it shouldn't matter. It will. It will to these content creators, but it shouldn't. There's only one I, question I, that matters right now. There's only one thing that matters. I don't think, you know, these, it's, um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if, if they don't cancel it. And then once again, he doesn't have to face one uncomfortable question, which at this point he won't answer. But I mean, the questions are obvious. What, you know, it's the same questions we've been saying he's, he should have been asked all along. What did you know and when did you know it? Why did you vote him off the board and then vote him back on? Right. And also, where's your wife? Talk us through that process. Where's your wife? How does that play into all this? Does she not want to be around her father? Like, yeah. Like Rich always says, where explain your the only job your wife ever had, why she doesn't have it anymore. Right. And why she came back when Vince went away and then left again when he came back. Why? Where is she? Do you see why these are important questions now? You know, it, it's... Uh, there's there's a reason <laughs> that we harp on this every time and because you know it's like you knew that this day would come again and that man it is very hard for me to believe that paul levesque was completely in the dark on all of this that's very hard to believe but i would like uh, the man to speak on that himself if anyone has the guts to ask him and they won't they won't um I have no confidence that they will. And if someone does, I'll come on here and, and praise them. Um, you know, but uh, it, it should have been done all along. And and it wasn't. And and, and now you see, you know what? It's, it's, it's disheartening that he's up there and, and you're able to take these unprecedented access did vince mcmahon ever give people this kind of access to never he did what in my entire lifetime following wrestling i think he did what was it off the record with what was it michael lansbury or paul lansbury i forget what his name was some one-on-ones but yeah and then bought the casas interview and then the mcafee interview armacontain and that that i honestly i could probably count on i don't know if it's one hand maybe two i'm not gonna need a whole lot of second hand well here's all you need to know you named we named four and two of them ended contentiously because he couldn't handle the <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Two of them ended with him nearly striking the interviewer because he couldn't handle the heat, and the questions weren't even all that rough. Nothing approaching anything like this. Who do you think you are, pal? Like he get you know, just a, a completely deplorable person. Um. So yeah, I don't I don't see how 
you know, and 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 shame on anyone whose response to being asked why they never asked this guy a tough question is, oh well, it's not the time or the place. Yeah. Well, when shame is when the fuck is the time? And when when is the fuck that? is the place? When is the time and the place? Oh, it's not the time and the place. Oh, it's you know you can't you can't do it. It's not when you know you know you're just a you're just a loser. Who doesn't <laughs> right, belong just, in the room. Yeah, just leave the you're room. You're a fucking here. clown who yeah. So plan your little dinner dates with your pals and 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 get out of the way and let some adults do some real adult things would be my suggestion, but we'll see how they handle it this weekend. Luckily for us, uh, none of them could shut up about their little invites. So we know who's there. Yep. So we know who's there. We got we know every one of lunch them dates because yeah, everyone's coordinated with their lunches and stuff. So yeah, we got it sure. all. Sure, They're all, you know, I'm sure. And they're all, I'm sure they're all sitting there. Um, figuring out how to attack this oh it's perfect the fact that they got all their lunch they they got all their lunch uh schedule planned out so what's going to be perfect is they're all going to be able to get there and and sit down and you know really decide how to how to coordinate this thing for an all-out assault and all-out attack to make sure they get the 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 get down to the real nitty-gritty of the story and and that's that's what makes those all those lunch dates because that's the reason why they were posting on twitter is to figure out where they were going to go to lunch and how they're going to hang out or whatever it's perfect now because now they can get I'm together sure, yeah i'm sure they're all preparing how to bear down and not let them off the hook right exactly um, okay all right better. so i'm gonna tell you're gonna start from this angle and i'm gonna start from that angle and we're gonna ask this and you ask this and i yeah i'm sure they're gonna be getting down to brass tacks and figuring out how to just just make sure that that these the, the very the many questions that so many wrestling fans have are going to get answered here uh, Saturday at the uh, media scrum by these uh, content yeah, listen, creators. They're, they're going to create some content. I'm ready for it. I Hey, I'm I would welcome a lot of creative content uh, in, in the way of uh, WWE executive Paul Levesque being asked about all this stuff. So I'm ready for the content, Rich. This fine content that's going to be produced on Saturday. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I Look, I think TKO is going to wash their hands of this guy. I think that... Um, there's probably some other executives in that company or ex-executives of that company who are doing a little collar tugging right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if some criminal charges could follow. I would, you know, I, we'd have to get an expert in here on, on something like that um, to determine whether they think there's enough here to go after Vince McMahon criminally. Look, the the fact that he was having a sexual relationship with a subordinate already breaks all kinds of corporate laws. Right. With just, just at its exact companies. core, even if there was nothing salacious yeah. happening, the right. Um, even if everything was consensual right mm-hmm. down to the, you know, this is, it would be breaking corporate law, which is why he had to leave in the first place and why he had to return money and all of the, you know, from the first time around, but you can go listen to our audio on that. If you need to be refreshed, um, you know, so from even from that standpoint, even if this relationship was a hundred percent consensual in every way, it, it was unethical to to start with and and against you know certain corporate laws as well. So, you know, there's that aspect to it, even before you get into the rest of the you know, disgusting, heinous stuff that was alleged in the lawsuit today. So um he's gonna fight it, he's denying everything. I mean, obviously that's the tact that you figured he would take. And um I, I guess that's where we're at. Uh, what other ways do you want to? Uh, yeah, I you think want to attack this one for for anybody that, that there is a lot of other executives that were named in this as well. Not not named, but it would say like WWE executive number one and WWE executive number two sure. or whatever WWE employee number three, that sort of stuff. So there are um, other uh, executives and former employees that are, are kind of named in, in, in this as well. Not as not as uh, Laura Nitus and Vince are the the two 
ones to focus on. As we knew, again, we knew this two years ago. This was essentially who the focal point of this entire thing was going to be was Vince and, and, and Laura Nitus. But there are some other executives that are probably not off the hook either, more more so from the standpoint of they probably knew this was happening and either didn't say anything or just ignored it or you know maybe not actively participating in it, but but at least ignoring it. And then also uh, Brock Lesnar was, was was named in this as well as, as being a part not of Not by name, though, right? Uh, so the the well, the Wall Street Journal said Brock Lesnar. I don't know oh, if they. Okay. I don't know okay. if they so just said huh, former UFC champion contract negotiations. I think we know who this guy is, and, and went with Brock Lesnar. I don't know. They, I, I swear to God, let me let me double check. But I thought that they officially said Brock Lesnar. But let me uh, the, 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 take a look. The clues in the lawsuit clearly point right. At Brock it's Lesnar. it's probably Brock. The idea that there was a disgruntled star, a renegotiation, and as Rich looks to see if the Wall Street Journal did name him by name, uh, the idea was Vince used this woman as part of a bargaining chip to bring this disgruntled wrestler back by offering her up for sexual services. Ultimately, the wrestler did not have sex with her because he, I think it was too intoxicated to either perform sexually or that may not have been the wording. He was just too intoxicated and they ultimately did not have sex. But then the the suit alleges that Vince discussed with her what his discussion with the wrestler entailed. And, and, um, but I don't think that the lawsuit, the lawsuit doesn't name him. The lawsuit says a former UFC champion and, and former WWE champion that was under contract negotiations or whatever. But the wall street journal did say people familiar said the wrestler was Brock Lesnar. Lesnar did not immediately respond Thursday to uh requests for comments. So, so the real life reporter who handled this for the wall street journal, big boy, big boy work. reporting. Unbelievable. Is it wild? It's so weird that you can do this. It's so strange. I can't believe it. Did some work and got some people, some sources to clarify that it was in fact Brock Lesnar. When you're talking former UFC champion for that time period, the only other person that would fit would be Ronda Rousey. And obviously that there'd be that, that, that wasn't, you know, it was Brock. So, um, yeah, because I don't even. What other UFC champion would they? Kane Velasquez, I guess. <laughs> I don't think Ken Shamrock. Oh, Kane would've... Velasquez. Okay, yeah, Ken Shamrock wouldn't have fit the time period. Kane Velasquez may have. I'd have to. I don't remember when he was there, but anyway, it's clarified. It's Brock. It's Brock. It's Brock is the point. But to, we should note, though, wasn't named in the specifically mm-hmm. in the law. His name was not in the lawsuit, and technically, he didn't do anything wrong from the standpoint of he didn't have any relations with the woman. And she just alleges that Vince offered her to this wrestler. Now, that's not me letting Brock off the hook or defending him. But at the same time, can we definitively say he intended to have sex with her? I don't I don't know. But we know that he didn't. But the 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 bigger point here is Vince is offering this woman up to people to, as a bargaining. Ch- I mean, it's just not treating her like a human being. No, no. He, know, he never thought of her else, as a human. It's a, clear he never thought he of her never as a human. He never thought of her as a human being, you know, and it begs the question, you know, are, were there other instances that she wasn't aware of where she was potentially dangled as bait? I mean, he flat out says in some of the messages that he's using her, that, you know, I want to own you and I own and you. sell you. And mm-hmm. yeah, I own you. I want to sell you. I, you know, just, you know, just it's, it's incredibly, you know, just almost to the point where it's unbelievable. But um, yeah, so there's that aspect of it. And 
you have to wonder how deep it ran within the company. If now look in his own words, he, he bragged about these, uh, his sex with her and even offered her up, um, you know, to the tech crew, as he called them. Um, and that those are text messages straight from him to her, where he describes telling groups of men, a group of 12 men, uh, you know, how he treats her and what he did to her sexually. And I'm trying to be careful with my words and, and how they were hooting and hollering and saying that they can come have relations with her too, you know, and they can just tie her up and, you know, and, and, you know, now is that just, you know, shit talk maybe, but it's still, you know, something clearly she didn't consent to according to the lawsuit which would make it completely out of line. And it's just, it just runs so deep in so many different ways. And, um, you know, and, and you have to wonder if, if he was willing to discuss it with the, the, the tech guys at television, who else was he discussing this with? Who else was he offering her up to? Right. Who else was privy to it? Who else knew the extent of the non-consent that was happening, which would also be a key. You know, it's one thing to be privy to your boss having an having an unethical and sexual relationship with someone in the company and dipping his pen in the company ink, so to speak. I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. It's a whole nother thing to be privy to the non-consent portion of it and to know that your boss is raping a woman and, and doing all of these other heinous non-consensual things to this woman. You know, that's what when you peel back the layers, if there's any of that, you know, then it then it, it runs deeper into the fabric and the culture of the company. And maybe it just requires a complete clean out. You know, who knows? And that's why questions like this need to be asked to Paul Levesque. Who, by the way, is also this man's son-in-law. Right. I mean, you know, so not the time and the place. Go fuck yourself. You're not a serious person then. You know, you just, you're just not. Right. You're part of, you're it, part of the show and you're not getting paid for it. So you're just a fucking, you're either, you're a dope or you're a mark or you're a clown or, or whatever. I don't know what you're doing, but um, get out of the room and, and, and leave those seats for people that are going to uh, maybe do some stuff, uh, do some real work here. But uh, so the, we, we did get a little bit of clarification about the Brock stuff. And I apologize again, the very, very voluminous uh, lawsuit. So some stuff may have been missed, but uh, uh, quotes were that same month, WWE superstar expressed to Miss Grant uh, his desire to quote, set a play date and have a sexual encounter. However, a snowstorm changed WWE superstars travel plans and Miss Grant ultimately used weather and COVID-19 as an excuse to back out. Uh, in the days that followed, WWE Superstar revealed a fetish to Miss Grant and tested McMahon's promise that Miss Grant would, quote, do anything uh, with the request that she send a video of herself urinating. And then uh, apparently WWE Superstar informed Miss Grant if she did not comply with the request that WWE Superstar would have lost any interest in her and then called her a bitch. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, that's uh, – and WWE Superstar here – the, that's the lawsuit talk. That's Brock. That's Brock. According yeah. to the wall, according to the wall street journal, that's Brock. Yeah. That's the former UFC champion, current WWE superstar that was under contract negotiations at the time. All right. So there was more to it than I thought with Brock. I thought Vince basically tried to set up a 
essentially tried to pimp her out to him and and he just couldn't perform because he was intoxicated or something. I must have read something else. But apparently he had contact with her mm-hmm. that, that she alleges here. So that you just laid out and described. So there you go. So um, it's much worse with Brock than I thought. I thought it was just Vince offering her up and it ultimately not happening. Um, yeah. So yeah. What, what a big stupid uh, mess this is. And, and, you know, it's just people should have, you know, even, you know, it's not like Vince, it's like we said, he's, he's a, essentially was a piece of garbage before today. So, mm-hmm. you know, today just it just adds to the pile, you know, and um it's the the glowing tributes when he went away, despite the fact that people knew the murder cover ups and everything else and the prior rape allegations. You know, just uh really makes you sick, but you, you knew this was coming. I know HBO was working on something, but they they dropped it at the time. And real sports is done now. If, real sports is over now, so yeah, so that's probably never going to because it was real. Yeah, it was real sports that was working on it, but um, you know, and and look, sometimes real journalism takes a while. You know, so the Wall Street Journal has been putting this together, and then today they did get a hold of the lawsuit, and yeah, maybe it took eighteen months, but but that's okay, and that's kind of relates back to the points we made when we discussed the whole Nick Hausman, Chris Jericho thing on whatever audio that was, and that you know. Um, just do the work and it may, maybe it takes a year, maybe it takes two years, maybe it takes five years to put a story together, but, um, you know, that, that, that's the right way to handle things as opposed to just throwing out, you know, either baseless or, or, or at work at best irresponsible allegations on podcasts and Twitter. That's what children do. That's what children do. Um, this here is what, how adults handle things. And, you know, you had to know it was coming. I, I wrote this at the time in 2022 when Vince was forced out as part of a longer column, but where I discussed all his misdeeds and, and why you have to be careful praising someone based on your childhood memories of the wrestling promotion that he ran that you liked. Um, I'll just, I'll just read the, the final paragraph that I wrote because I think a lot of it ended up coming to pass today. I quote, Even if I held any affection or reverence for Vince McMahon, the wrestling promoter, which I do not, I surely wouldn't embarrass myself the way many in the feckless and pathetic wrestling media have today, tripping over themselves to praise a downright, indefensively flawed and evil human being, a 77-year-old man who has committed a lifetime of literal atrocities and contributed to ruining a countless number of lives, a lifetime of beyond-the-pale personal and professional behavior makes it impossible to parse the art from the artist even if I believed he positively contributed to pro wrestling which again I assuredly do not these glowing tributes and thank yous are going to age quickly and badly as it is obvious McMahon is ducking out now before the Wall Street Journal and HBO drop the bombshells that end him for good when that happens Remind these assorted cretins who they've chosen to praise and don't let them off the hook. Good riddance to the promoter who created shitty wrestling and made this hobby less enjoyable for 40 years. 
And here's to the well-earned shitty legacy of assault and murder and sex crimes he's leaving behind. I loathe him as a wrestling promoter, and I have zero respect for him as a man. End quote. There it is. That that could have been written today. That could have been written that, an hour ago. That was written in July of 2022 when it first broke. And I was just sickened by the praise they were throwing these people when he resigned as he, when he quote unquote retired. Retired, yeah. In shame and resigned in shame running from this. And they knew it was coming. And we knew because we had heard, you know, through the, you know, the rumblings that the Wall Street Journal and the HBO and HBO were still working on this. And here it is today. That's the only acceptable take on Vince McMahon. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's you know now people are, are are wondering: is this it? Is this finally it? Is this going to be the maybe? I don't know. I thought May. I thought July of twenty twenty two was it. You know, you know what I mean? Like I thought that was it, and it's not it. And and. and it's I, I like again. I don't have that same energy to to do that anymore. We've done that show. We've talked about that so many times, time and time and time again. Of this is finally it. There's no way he's going to wiggle out of this one. We're finally done. We can dance on this grave of this this horrific ghoul and, and and all of his multiple crimes and all and, and just all this stuff. But no, I don't know. So maybe I don't know. Maybe this one will be the one. It's like I I can't I can't have that energy until it happens. You know, when it does eventually happen, maybe they will come on here. Well, sure what... I mean, realistically, what's going to happen? He's going to owe this woman some money. All right. And good for her. She should get every nickel. You know, it can't make up for what happened to her. Um, and, and unless he's charged criminally, you know, what is, you know, what is it going to matter? It's to say he's essentially Teflon. I mean, it's gross and we hate it, but what can happen? He's already removed from power. Right. So what yeah, he can, go, he can go away from the board, and then he'll just go and retreat into a private life of billions of dollars. And Probably continuing to do this. Right. I mean, if you think this was the first woman, okay, if you don't think there's more. Well, there are. You're we know the NDAs. Mind, you, <laughs> we know there you, are other NDAs yeah. out there. Again, right. a, lot, you don't know. a large part of the story was that it wasn't just this NDA. It was a whole Trevor, treasure, treasure trove of, of NDAs that he had lying around. And now, who knows? Maybe they'll start popping up here and there again maybe some people start saying screw it i don't care i'm gonna talk or whatever i don't know what the next step is gonna be but yeah no 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 this isn't this isn't an isolated incident not not even close you, you think this was his first go around at 74 or 75 years old whenever this started you know there's a pile of ndas and again go read the crushed leaves story from playboy 40 years mm -hmm. ago i mean this is a deranged individual um and, the, you know, the, there's the more will be unearthed. My suspicion is there will be a woman or there will be multiple women who no longer have much to lose, who will come out of the woodwork and come clean on this guy. Someone in a similar position to like a Tammy Sitch, someone who's just completely, I got nothing to lose now. With the, and I'm not even saying, I'm not implying anything happened between Vince McMahon and Tammy Sitch. I'm just using her as an example of someone who's just got nothing left to lose and nothing left to fear 
And I'm sure that there will be more stories, whether in the form of of that scenario or more lawsuits. Mm-hmm. Maybe this will embolden some other women to to come up and 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 with lawsuits of their own, because a lot of times these women they don't want to face the scrutiny. They don't want to face the, you know, the public coming at them, calling them liars, calling them whores. Um, they, they, they don't want the attention. They don't want the trauma that comes with digging up all this old. And right, especially if they're still it. in the public eye. Like you're saying, it needs to be somebody that's in their 50s, 60s, 70s. That's with done nothing with, to lose. Done with yeah, wrestling, it's... living a normal life, works a, a job maybe, or maybe they're retired or whatever. And just say, yeah, you know what? This is what it is. You know, there there are people, and and it's not hard to find. There are are former women that worked at WWE that that have been tweeting out today and and different things like that. And people are like, oh, maybe that person should say something. But that you know, these people are still in the public eye a lot. These people are still have relationships in the business. They still work for other companies. They they're married to people that are in the business. You know, nobody wants to add all that. I mean, and and I like that's how. I mean that sucks. For the record, I'm not I'm not defending that. That fucking sucks that somebody can sit there and say, "Ah, you know what? I don't really want to say anything. I can say something, but I don't want to because it's going to make my life miserable." That fucking sucks. That's awful the way that we live, but I totally see from that person's standpoint, it's not worth it to me at this point right now to say anything because it's just going to make my life a thousand times harder and and and, and who knows what's going to happen after that. But like you're saying, there there are hopefully people out there that are looking at it and saying, you know what, fuck it, I got nothing to lose, let's do this. And, and um, you know, I, I know in the lawsuit, and the field people in the note of chat room is telling us that uh, the lawsuit basically says that if, you know, Vince's other NDAs are worded like this one, they should also be invalidated. And that maybe would be the floodgates opening, potentially. But it also would take those people having to want to say something and talk Wanting about it. Wanting to be interested in, yeah, Right, correct. right, right. Which again, right. like I would, I, it'd be great to live in a world where where these women could say, you know what? Yes, here's what happened to me. But I know, <laughs> I mean, their life that, that that will completely alter and change and negatively affect their lives forever. So it's like it's yeah. a big, like, yeah. big decision to make. So it's it's I, I can't get because people are just like, oh yeah, this, this she should talk. Hey, she should say something if she's got you know. Yeah, it's easy for you to say. You know what I mean? It's not it's you. It's easy for you to say, and, and everyone's <laughs> different. Maybe some of these women feel like they got their closure when he was forced to cut them a five million dollar check, and and you know, and they feel like they got their pound of flesh, and they don't want to relive any of this or talk about it anymore, and want to keep it behind. You can't blame people for that if no. that's the case. And, you know, everyone you know is different. So, um. And this woman not only got allegedly abused and raped by this man for, for the, over the course of many years, he screwed her on the money too. I mean, he's just, he's irredeemably, he's just irredeemable scum, this guy. So, you know, and now we find out, you know, and this won't be the end of it either because, and, 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 and this story will continue to unfold for years. Who knew what, when did they know it? And then those people need to be held accountable. Right. To me, that, that and that's, um, you know, for better or for worse, that's where I'm at with this day's news. I know some people are at the, oh, my God, I can't believe Vince McMahon is capable of this. Or, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. We're, we're I'm well past that. You know what I mean? Like, as as horrible as that is, and, and we laid it out earlier in the show, and we've talked about it. Go back in the history of the archives of the show. Go back and listen 12 years ago. Go listen to our, our show from July 2022. Go listen to our show when he came back into power and, and left. You know, We've done this show. We've done this Vince McMahon show, it, it, it feels like, five or six times in the history of the show and, and, and mentioned it numerous times as well. But 
I moved right past the, oh, my God, I can't believe Vince McMahon is capable of this, and more to the, okay, who allowed the, who else let this happen? Because now it's, it's, I'm looking at you guys and how many of you are still in power? How many of you are still on these board of directors? How many of you still hold very high creative spots? How many of you are still wrestling this company? How many of you knew and just said, eh, whatever, you know, well, all right, Vince is Vince. Cause that seems to be the attitude from a lot of the stuff alleged in the lawsuit is that people would, and, and like, cause I know some people are trying to get on a lot of the other people named in this lawsuit. Cause they, you know, Vince would show them a picture and he'd, and they'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah. She's real hot or whatever. I, I don't know if I'm necessarily like, I, I feel like those people maybe are just doing the, huh, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe you could say that's that. And that they're just as, guilty for not going and saying anything or whatever, but a lot of people, like I saw people, like they want to tear it all, and it's every single person, all these, every one of these employees, I think a lot of these employees were probably also felt very pressured, and Vince saying, hey, get a load of this, hey, look at this, and being like, oh yeah, that's great, Vince, all right, cool, and just trying to like distance themselves immediately from it. You know, I'm sure there was several people that did that, but like you said, it's also how many people knew, when did they know, and, and, and why did just nobody seemingly... If so many people knew about this, if it went to the tech guys all the way, I mean, how many executives, how many family members, yeah. how many people knew this shit and just said and did nothing. And, and it goes to, it goes to Paul Levesque. It goes to Stephanie McMahon as well. Stephanie McMahon very clearly knew that some of this stuff was going on and she chose, I, I she's lower on the list of enablers. I'll, I'll say that like, because she pretty much wink, wink, nudge, nudge told you that this guy is a fucking ghoul by leaving immediately when he can't, you know, <laughs> you know, leaving when he would, you know, coming into power when he left, leaving immediately when she, he came back or whatever, but she didn't say anything. You know what I mean? She didn't, she didn't really do anything. She just kind of, Hey, don't forget that Steph was the one who introduced him on that. Ding, Smackdown ding, ding. And that's how I was going to say too. Right. Right. Even if she did know, okay. she said, oh, my father, Vince McMahon, as people came and bowed before him. How fucking ridiculous is that too? Popping a number. Yep. With that SmackDown thing. Using it to pop a using it to pop a quarter hour. Fuck it. <laughs> and people bowing and saying thank you, right. Vince. And then now together forever. Thank you, Vince. Yeah. Thank you, Vince. It was surreal. Ugh. And I talked yeah. about that yeah. show. I, I reviewed that show behind our paywall, and I remember at the time saying, like, I I think they piped in booze. Cause I, I went and I, we did like a Zupurter film thing with it where I I, I I played the video back and I was like, guys, I think they piped in booze because everybody cheered when he came out. And you can hear this weird thing where all of a sudden everybody pops and cheers and then like, you know, boo3.mp3 gets played. And I was like, that's a fake boo. They piped in those boos. Why would they do that? Because not enough people. I think they were like, oh, my God, everybody's cheering this guy. Oh, oh, to almost balance it out. (laughs) Right. To be like, oh, my God, (laughs) we look like the biggest fucking asshole organization in the world go back and listen to that episode and i'll try to link it in the show notes if i remember but like i go frame by frame second by second and think like i think they piped in booze here and my my theory was just that they thought oh my god we're gonna look like ridiculous if if this guy who just got you know alleged sexual assaults or whatever and is resigning in shame and now all of our fans are bowing and cheering at him like oh my god we need to actually you know put something in here to to Hopefully that if somebody sees this, thinks, oh, okay, no, now not all their fans are depraved maniacs or whatever. So I don't know. That was kind of out of my tinfoil cap, you know, conspiracy theory things. But uh, I, I think I, ha- I, I think I got it down pretty good uh, in terms of uh, some fake noise being booed in there. Yeah, it's look. I, I want to know who knew what and yeah. when they knew it. And, and look, and look, I'm not calling for a witch hunt. 
you know, it's it's you could be privy to your boss. You know, it's like you you could have been aware that Vince had something going on with the girl from Legal, without being aware that there was rapes happening and that there was, you know, we all like to think, oh well, that's inappropriate and people should have. I, I mean, come on. I mean, you know, put yourself in that position. I think we've all been in scenarios where maybe we've been aware that a boss at the job had something going on with somebody. And it's it's easy to say that everyone's going to be virtuous in those circumstances. And I'm going to report this to HR or I'm going to quit and go work somewhere where this, come on, that's not. So I, it's not whether people knew that he had a sexual relationship with this woman. It's if I want to know who knew the extent of it. I want to know who knew what was going on with him and Laurenitis and, and 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 what they were doing and what they, who truly knew what they were doing to this woman, you know that I think needs to be uncovered, and I and I don't think um, that necessitates any kind of witch hunt or just thinking the worst of anyone who's involved or or, or, or and I don't think people should be um, it just just you know like I I saw earlier some people saying oh well now we, you have to question Cody and CM Punk because maybe they were offered up this woman. Don't be dragging people's names into it who don't have anything to do with it. I mean, you know, you can't just start baseless, baseless, baselessly speculating that, you know, Vince was, uh, uh, you know, offering this woman's services up to everybody he came across. I mean, that's not fair. That's not fair to, to, to drag other, to, to drag people's names into it that way. But I think it is fair to, uh, to to ask the people in power i think that it's totally fair to find out how much paul levesque knew and when how much stephanie mcmahon knew and when how much nick Khan knew mm-hmm. and when for those people it's absolutely fair game kevin dunn who recently kevin uh resigned dunn. recently resigned kevin dunn unbelievable what, what people great in power people in close events people in the office because i find it implausible that these people knew nothing they knew something it didn't seem like this relationship was any kind of a secret. I mean, his wife found out about it. That's right in the lawsuit. Where he laments to the woman that his wife found out, and now the shit's about to hit the fan. So, you know, that, that's that's what's interesting to me. That, I think, is what people should be interested in. Who knew what and when? And who else needs to be smoked out of this company? And do we need to clean it all out from the top on down? That's what needs to happen mm-hmm. next. Absolutely. Yeah, it's just confirmation for a lot of people that that Vince was the ghoul that they all thought he was, and and I don't know why it needed you needed this to confirm it. But you know, as some people said, because because I kind of had this attitude of like, I mean, I don't know, this stuff's kind of just the normal Vince bullshit stuff. Like, of course, of course, he's he's is a fucking ghoul that would do this de- these devious, horrible, horrific things or whatever. But I think some people said that maybe it was that maybe the level of detail is going to help a little bit. It's, it's similar to the Ray Rice situation in the NFL. They, they likened it to where, yeah, you, you, you know, a thousand times of a thousand different players that have domestic assault charges against them, but you see this guy just absolutely beating on his wife in an elevator, you know, uh, on video that then wakes you up a little bit and you go, Oh, okay. That's, Oh, it's Jesus different. Christ. It's different. That looks yeah, a lot. And that, and this might be other than just rampant sexual assault and us saying Mel Phillips and Rita Chatterton and all these people and, 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 and whatnot and Ashton Massaro and all these people like maybe it is the details and the level of detail and the gruesome level of detail in this that will hopefully make everybody stand. Because I mean, now, now, if you aren't where we've been, I mean, what, what you got to. 
I don't yeah, know. I think that <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like we can't. We're past that point now. Nobody can even. There, there's no plausible deniability. There's no. The, there's no anything. This this guy is a fucking ghoul. And, and there's and and I just won't hear anything else. I won't hear legend. Well, I, mean, I won't say but, yeah. Got to hand it to the guy. Fuck all that stuff. No. No, you can't. We're hand done with that. anything. It, if if I were in charge of Netflix, I'd certainly want to know what what these people knew and when. How about? Ari Emanuel, who heads up TKO, whose daughter has worked for WWE since 2021. Mm-hmm. Think she might have known something? Think she might have passed it on to her dad? I don't know. I'd like to know, though. If I were running Netflix, I'd like to know. Considering I, I'm about to sign a multi-billion dollar deal with these people, I'd like to know what these people knew and when. And why they did nothing about it. Virtually nothing about it. Literally nothing about it until it came out in 2022. And we're doing next to nothing about it until today. I'd, I'd like to know how much they knew and when. So why don't I think we should concentrate on that before we go witch hunting wrestlers who said nice right, things. Cody. About yeah, let, let's go at Cody. It's I like, mean, no, 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 no. We got like seven layers of executives that we need to get through till we get to Cody. Yeah, I got to be honest. I'm not too concerned about what Dolph Ziggler might have known or not known. I want to know what Ari Emanuel knew. That's what I'm concerned yeah, with. What Nick Khan knew, what Paul Levesque knew, what Stephanie McMahon knew, what Kevin Dunn knew, what, you know. I know, Jer- I know Jerry with, McDivitt with... knew. I know goddamn well Jerry yeah, McDivitt yeah. knew. I don't need yeah. to ask him. I got it. We don't need to ask more, Jerry. We got it. More more so than 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 uh you know than than sticking it to Mick Foley for saying that Vince McMahon's a great person. I couldn't care less about that right now. That shouldn't be your concern. Because these people could have been ignorant to this stuff. And if we find out some of them knew, all right, you know, you want to finger wag these wrestlers for praising Vince, go right ahead. That's not my chief concern right now. Mine is Paul Levesque, Ari Emanuel, Nick Khan. I want to know what they knew. That's what's important right now. Dwayne so, Johnson might be interesting to ask Dwayne Johnson these Dwayne days. Jo- Dad, you know what? That's another great one. He wants to be Mr. Businessman on the TKO board. Well, welcome well, to big boys. He's tight with Vince. Yeah, welcome yeah, to the big you boy be game. A big boy? You want to be a big boy, Mr. Seven Bucks? Well, I want to know what you knew and when. That's another good one. So I think, you know, that that to me is what should be next here. You got anything else, or can we talk about some no, stupid wrestling on I'd this show love, at some point? Love, love, love to talk about some stupid wrestling. Uh yeah, I got nothing else on Vince, so uh Soon enough, this guy will rest in piss, and we can uh, move on with our lives. But uh, that day is not today, unfortunately. So, um, yeah, where do you want to go here? (laughs) How do you transition out of this? We got to find a way. And I assure you, it is not a preview of this Saturday's Royal Rumble, right? We might need some space in between those two segments. (laughs) Right. All right. So who's going to go out first in the Royal Rumble, Joe? (laughs) Do you think it's going to be? Right. Yeah, is Cody going to finish the story? All right, so Vince McMahon accused of uh, sex trafficking and rape. All right, so you think Cody's going to finish the story or what, Joe? It's like what you know. Might want to buffer those two segments, <laughs> right? But, uh... but who who gets this here? Who gets the uh, who gets the distinction of I can't do that to my man Ice Train, right? We can't do that to Ice Train, can we? I think we should talk about Ice Train. Yeah. All right. Sorry, he Howard Hogue. Sorry, Howard Hogue. Can I play the ice stream theme now? Rich, if you want to play the ice train theme, <laughs> I go do. ahead. I don't think anyone I don't think anyone's gonna bury you for playing the ice train theme. Um 
We said what we had to say about Vince. I'm sure that story is going to come up again. But we got a we got a whole we got two hours of show to do here. Yeah, we do. Yes, we do. All right, let's do it. We're, we'll start out here. Ice train song, just one of the best. But play a little bit in the background there, but uh faded out as best I can there. It didn't go that great. But uh Ice Train Legendary <laughs> Legendary Wrestler. I don't know if Howard Oak is a legendary wrestler. I I think Ice Train is a legendary wrestler. We got to talk about Ice Train here. So, unfortunately, passes away at the age of 56 earlier in the week. Uh, DDP was the one who who announced it. And, um, yeah, uh, if you've never seen Ice Train before, guy was around in WCW from 93 until literally the final days. He was on the second-to-last Nitro uh, facing Canyon. I know I talked about that in the Death's Door uh, series I did on this Patreon many, many years ago about MI Smooth and Canyon having a match, and a pretty decent match, pretty fun match uh, as well. And he didn't go over to WWE. He didn't go into developmental. Basically retired from wrestling immediately after WWE went out of business. I think he popped up one more time in Germany sometime a couple of years ago, and that was pretty much it. But longtime WCW guy, did some stuff in Germany as well. Uh, I mean, just well-known for being just a massive, massive dude, which is the biggest arms you've ever seen in your life and the biggest chest you've ever seen in your life. And, uh, man, he's, he, he, he was a lot of fun. And, and there's some playlists out there. Uh, it's not hard to find ice train matches. He, I, you know, going back and watching it, and I don't know if it's just a matter of we don't have guys like ice train anymore or may, I, I don't know what it was, but, like, I, in the last couple of years, became, like, a pretty big Ice Train fan, and, and like, I don't know if I would have been a big Ice Train fan in, like, 1996 or whatever if I was watching WCW, but I don't know what it is, but, like, these last couple of years, I've I've become a fan, and, and going back this, this week and, and watching as many Ice Train matches as I can, I kind of like the dude, you know what I mean? He wasn't refined, he's, he's pretty green, he never quite figured it out bell to bell, but, man, the dude was a pretty damn good we we like to come with, up with the phrase of a dumb jock wrestler. He he was a pretty good dumb jock wrestler, man. What do you think of Ice Train? So, you could really break up Ice Train's WCW run into three sort of eras or segments. There was the rookie year in 1993, where they pushed him very hard right out of the gate, and then he went away and went to work for CWA uh, with for Otto Wands in in, in Germany. And we've always and talked about CWA back. loves their big dudes. They're big barrel per- chested he is guys. The perfect. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't this want to Otto Wands wrestling. He was like this that was, guy yeah. right there. He, he was I perfect want that for, man. You could, <laughs> right. you could see why Otto Wands would, would kept bringing this guy <laughs> yeah. back and using them. He was perfect for, for that, for that promotion. But then there was the 96, 97 run, which, you know, with the fire and ice tag team with Scott Norton and then the feud with Scott Norton. And then he went away and went back to Germany again. And then you have the third WCW run, his his third kind of era with the company, which was, as you alluded to, the MI Smooth stuff. And then really that's it for him. You know, he came out of the power plant in 1993, power plant trainee. And 
they gave him the big push right out of the gate. And the one thing watching Ice Train all week, and there's a great Ice Train playlist on YouTube, which we can link somewhere. I don't right, remember right. who uploaded it. But it basically takes you through his entire WCW career through all three of those phases that I talked about. And the one thing I noticed about Ice Train watching through that this week is you and I'm hardly the only one to note this. He improved drastically yes. throughout that run. Mm-hmm. At, at the start, he's really, really bad. He's just a big guy. You could see why they put him on TV because he's got the great look and he's got he, a good charisma. He play. He's really he has a good crowd connection right out of the gate, but his work is terrible. And they do some interesting things to try to disguise that fact that we'll get into as we talk about him. But as his career moves along, he gets better and better. And then, you know, before I watched through his career this week, when I was thinking about Ice Train, it's like what I remembered most was the Fire and Ice tag team and the matches with the Steiners. And I remember those being underrated matches at the time that really newsletter freaks were praising. Um, They were kind of like, I guess, underground favorites of of the newsletter readers at the time. And those did hold up, but his work is so much better in that era than it was during his little first run there in 93 when he was pretty rough coming out as a rookie. And I think that those tours with, with, uh, in Germany really helped him a lot to, you know, to fill in the gaps and, 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 and flesh out his work. And he's a guy who early in his career, you could tell he didn't know what to do sort of between the moves. You know, you just still, you see a lot of wrestlers like that, where it's like, Mm -hmm. They he would do, like, the very generic, like, things. yeah, you know, like, go to the crowd and kind of, like, flex sometimes or whatever, but, like, did it in a way that... Or he just didn't know what to do next or how right, to follow right, up right. or, you know, there was a lot of emptiness to his work, and that kind of got corrected over time to the point where he was um, a pretty underrated big man worker by the time he hit his stride. So, um, and I think a lot of... I've seen many people this week note how much better he got as his career moved along. And I don't know who made the point, and I wish I can credit them, but I forget. But I was reading something where somebody said he really would have been someone who would have benefited greatly if he were 10 years older and was around for the territories because he yeah. would have went to a bunch of different places. So whoever made that point out, you know, I give, but I, I don't give some random thing on Twitter I saw. But anyway, he came in as a rookie in 93, and they pushed him right out of the gate with a long undefeated streak. And he would beat job guys, and he would win, like, handicap matches and things like mm-hmm. that. Did, did you and, watch the arm wrestling match that he had with Vader? Yes. Was that, that was on the video, too. And I believe that was in, was that in 93 as well when they were first getting him started? That would have been in, on, the, on his first run. Yes, because Ventura, those were the Jesse, Je- oh, Ventura right, Jesse, Jesse introduced it, of course. Yes. So, yeah. so, and he doesn't win the arm wrestling competition, but they bring, he goes all the way to the finals. And he takes yeah. Vader to his limit. Like Vader, they're, you know, Vader's, you know, just kind of like, ah, I got this in the bag. There's no chance this guy's going to do this. This little young guy, as little new boy, he's not going to do it. And Harley Race is talking shit. And, and Vader, you know, very quickly, you know, puts his arm nearly down. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's an inevitability. Ice Train's going to lose here. And then Ice Train rears back. And it, this fucking rocks, man. This is such a good, I loved this arm wrestling battle. It was so good. And then Ice Train rears back up. And then he starts getting the advantage. And he's seconds away, seconds away from putting Vader away. And the crowd's just losing their mind. And I thought that Vader was going to push the table over. Just, you know, classic. Uh, anytime there's been an arm wrestling thing since then, it's like the table gets pushed over. And we never find out. But then Vader just kind of rallies at the last second. 
second and does beat this guy. But I love the idea that like he's not going to beat Vader in this arm wrestling thing, but he's going to beat a bunch of other WCW wrestlers, and he's going to go to the finals, and he's going to take Vader to the limit. Now, Vader was a top champion at this time, a top dude that won the top world heels. champion. Right. So, so you know, having that symbolism of, hey, this guy took, took Vader to the limit, it's clear that they had very, very p- big plan for this guy from day one as well. Yeah, well, he went undefeated for a long time. They brought him in, and they would have him win handicap matches and beat jobbers. And they paired him up. They they gave him – they knew he was charismatic. But you could tell that they knew that they didn't think he could talk and that they didn't think he was a great worker yet because he would work – super. his matches were super short, usually under two minutes when he would beat these jobbers. And he would beat him with a power slam. And they paired him up with Thunderbolt Patterson, which was a little odd at the time. Because Thunderbolt Patterson was a you know a guy from Georgia from another era, and he had worked I think one of those Slamboree Legend matches a few months earlier, and and they just kept him around and they made him they gave him the dreaded babyface manager role, which is never a very good role to be in a babyface manager. But they paired him up with Ice Train uh, to do Ice Train's promos and to give Ice Train some credibility. Even though at that point, I don't know how much Thunderbolt Patterson would have been worth to fans in 1993. It had been many, many years since he had been a star um, and in a completely different era of the company. But at any rate, he was with Patterson. And what he would do is Ice Train would win these squash matches. And then they would do the post-match interview with Shivani or whoever, you know, on Worldwide or Pro or one of these, you know, WCWC shows. And the, the, the promos, though, were great because it was almost like a church sermon. Patterson would be like, because they would push in commentary how Patterson was mentoring Ice Train yeah. and trying to teach him how to be like him. So in the post-match promos, Patterson would always be like, I want to teach you, Ice Train. And Ice Train would be like, I want to learn. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I want to teach yeah, you. Yeah. I want to learn. I want to learn, Thunderbolt. I just want to learn, you know? And so these great promos. And you could tell, that, like, there was charisma there. He had charisma, and he understood you know, he understood crowd connection in those things, but, uh, but they were all exactly the same. Like they would be like these church sermon promos. And then, uh, they paired him up with, they paired up ice train with Ron Simmons. And at first post world title, Pat- Ron Simmons, by the way, post world title run. And at first Patterson was still around. So it would be like, Thunderbolt Patterson wasn't Simmons' manager, but he was Ice Train's manager, but he would accompany him to the ring. But then they kind of phased Thunderbolt Patterson out. And they kind of moved the story to Ron Simmons was mentoring Ice Train. And then in the commentary, they would push how Ron Simmons was, like you just said, a former world champion and what a great person to learn from. And now he was Ron Simmons' protege as opposed to Thunderbolt Patterson's protege, which I thought worked better because the modern fan understood Ron Simmons. They liked Ron Simmons. No one knew who Thunderbolt Patterson was by 1993. So he's, he's in this team with Ron Simmons and they had this match against the nasty boys who were the world tag team champions at the time. And remember ice train is still undefeated at this point. And they're taking the world champs to the limit. Missy Hyatt, who's managing the nasty boys she takes this fake bump outside the ring. Like she falls down and it catches the attention of ice train. So being the nice guy that he is, he goes to see what's wrong with the lady, right? And check on Missy Hyatt. 
Ron Simmons is in the ring. Like, what are you doing? He's like trying to make a tag and Ice Train's not there in the corner anymore. So the Nasty Boys, they roll up Ron Simmons and pin him. And then Missy, you know, reveals that it was all a ruse, you know, and she's laughing at Ice Train. And then Ron Simmons is all mad at him. And then now there's dissension. So that caused friction between Ron Simmons and Ice Train because Ice Train made the rookie mistake of falling for this Jezebel who pretended she was hurt outside the ring. And then they would have these matches where um, now, now Teddy Long is in the mix and now he is Ice Train's mentor, right? And he's trying to make peace between Ice Train and Ron Simmons because he used to manage Ron Simmons as Doom, right? So they, they have all these different segments where Ice Train is trying to apologize to Ron Simmons. I'll never make that mistake again. I'll never make, come on, Ron, you got to give me another chance. And Teddy Long pleading with Ron Simmons, you got to give him another chance. You know, you, you know, you guys can make a great team. And Simmons just isn't sure, you know. And then eventually, you know, Simmons, of course, turns on him. And, and Simmons is the one that goes heel. And then they have a match at uh, Clash of the Champions in January of 94. Mm-hmm. And that ends, and that ends up being Ice Train's first loss. Ron Simmons beats him at Clash of the Champions 26 in uh, in Baton Rouge, and that's Ice Train's first singles loss. And from there, um, you know, he kind of he works for a couple more months, and then he goes on his first little excursion to Germany. So that's kind of like the summation of his first little run in WCW. Big undefeated streak. The uh, trying out different mentors, first Thunderbolt Patterson, then Ron Simmons, and then later on, Teddy Long. And then uh, he disappears again for a while. So uh, that was kind of the 93-94 run for Ice Train, uh, which is funny because I did, for Match of the Week, I did um, Ice Train and Ron Simmons versus the Hollywood Blondes. And the Hollywood Blondes at that point were on the back end of their run. People might not remember this. That's a legendary tag team, but they were only together for like nine months. Steve Austin and Brian. Right, Cohen. right, right. Much, People much to the chagrin of, 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 of both guys involved who a didn't want to do the tag team at the first place. But then when they, they were together, they were like, all right, we're, we're doing pretty well here. This is kind of working. And then they're like, Hey, we're going to break you guys up. And they're like, what the fuck? All right, fine. Great. All right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's not so, well known because like in, in, in the history that they tell you, it's like, these guys were a team forever. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, nine months, little. Yeah, it was very, very short amount of time that they were a team. So what's funny is when they have that match against the Hollywood Blondes, it's taped in July. And it's like one of the first matches Ice Train ever had. He's like a literal rookie straight out of the... But it didn't air until like a week before Halloween Havoc. Like It didn't air for like four or five months. Right, taped July right? 9th, so 1993. Like... Airs October 16th, 1993. Yeah, so what's funny is this was like the continuity era of WCW. So at the time the match was taped, in real time, the Hollywood Blondes were the tag team champs in July. By the time the match aired, those titles had changed like three times. So, but the company knew that. So the Blondes don't come to the ring with the title belts because they knew that they were going to do title changes they knew this match wasn't going to air until the end of October, and they knew what the title changes were going to be in the interim. So by the time the match aired, the, the Hollywood Blondes not only had lost the titles, but the titles had changed like twice more since that point in time. That's how far behind the taping schedules were in WCW in those days. And for people who read the newsletters, we were always able to work out 
what title changes they were going to do on the pay-per-views and the clashes based on who would show up at these tapings with and without the title belts. Because you'd always get like one smart mark or newsletter reader who would go to the center stage tapings or MGM in Orlando or whatever it was, right? And then they would report back to Meltzer or Keller or whoever else, oh, so-and-so wasn't carrying the, the, the title anymore. So, and then you'd be able to work it out. Oh, where they're building towards the title match with this guy, that guy must win, right? Because you would be able to figure it out based on who had the title belts and who didn't at all the tapings. And to keep track of all that continuity and when these matches were going to air, I don't know whose job that was, okay? But they were masters of it because oh, yeah. there was almost never slip-ups in the continuity. No, WF was the same way too. There's like one or two slip-ups in the entire history of, of, of the WCW era. And it, a lot of it, a lot of times was just like, something would happen or a guy would get hurt or whatever. But if everything was, was good and everybody was pretty well, you know, healthy and, and under contract still, they nailed it. And, and it's one of my favorite aspects of old wrestling is the idea that you had to sit down in fucking July and know what you were doing in October to make sure that it made sense for all that time period, that this show isn't going to air for four months or whatever, but we need to make sure that everything is airtight and, and, and fine. And you have to think as deeply as, the Hollywood blonde versus ice train and Ron Simmons. You know what I mean? Like you have to think to that level, what is going to happen? We're going to have this random ass match, but hold on. What do we have to do here to make sure that this match makes sense in October, the same way it's going to make sense. when we tape it here in July. And I love, love, love that aspect of old wrestling. So they had to come out without their titles. And then that by the time it aired, that was one of the last matches that the Hollywood blondes had on television that ended up being one of their final matches. And Ice Trainer Ron Simmons won that match. And it's like, that must have meant that they knew that they'd be winding down the run of the Hollywood Blondes by the time October rolled around. Because there's no reason that team would have beat them otherwise. But the other thing about that is the finish didn't even air on TV. It was one of those deals where they were like, we're out of time. And we didn't <laughs> right, even get right. to see the finish. So you said that, ma- that match took place on July 9th. July 9th. In real time. Yep. And it aired, what was the date you uh, said October it aired? 16th. October 16th. So let me walk you walk you through this. Hollywood Blondes lost the titles to Arn Anderson and Paul Roma on on August 18th. Anderson and Roma lost the titles to the Nasty Boys on September 19th. Two Cold Scorpio and Bagwell beat the Nasty Boys on October 4th. Then the match aired. There were three tag team title changes in between that Hollywood Blondes match with Simmons and Ice Train and by the time it finally aired. Three other teams held the titles in that time period. (laughs) And in between all of that, Simmons and Ice Train had a match with the Nasty Boys, which was the first tease of their breakup. And that all had to be plotted out and planned in advance. I mean, this shit is crazy. But this is the same era where you would have just wild stuff like a couple years earlier in 91, where the Freebirds had a negative six-day tag team title reign because they lost the titles at a taping before they won them at a pay-per-view. That was the extent of how this shit would be plotted out. The Freebirds lost the tag team titles on... Here, I'll pull it up for you right here. They lost the titles on a taping to the Steiner brothers on February 18th, 1991. But they didn't win the titles until February 24th, 1991 from Doom at the pay-per-view. But they knew that they were going to have the Steiners beat the Freebirds for the titles before the Freebirds won them from Doom at Wrestle War. So they had the Freebirds drop the titles at the taping six days before the pay-per-view. 
So if anyone was able to follow that, they held the titles for negative six days. <laughs> right. So good. Because then they didn't they didn't air the match until whenever the fuck. The Steiner Brother match. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from Arena Club. Dot com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Off. Again, that's arena club.com slash VOW net. Arena club.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. So it was just a completely different time when it came to that stuff. And it's funny because circling back to Ice Train, you know, he debuted in July in real time but none of his matches aired until like september and october so he really didn't debut on tv until september or october even though he had wrestled like all of july and august doing all of these television tapings for wcw main event and worldwide and and uh pro and power hour you know because that's the other thing you know people think aew oh they got to get rid of rampage there's too many shows wcw had like six shows yeah they had they had like you know, and they had they had two versions. Like WCW Pro alone had two different versions. Right, there was, there was a, a Chicago, Chicago version. Yeah, there was a Chicago WCW a Pro. Right, right. Yeah, and the Chicago version had Shivani and and um, either Ventura or or no, Shivani and Zabisco hosted the Chicago version of the show, 
And Jim Ross and Paul E. Dangerously hosted the New York version of, of WCW Pro. And they would have like the same matches, but like Shivani during the matches would push cards that were coming up in the Midwest and in Chicago. And on the New York version of the show, Jim Ross would push the shows that were coming to the Meadowlands and the places in the Northeast. And they, they would have like different inset promos and, and, and different segments. Like Paulie dangerously would have a danger zone segment that was like centered around New York culture. Right. The Chicago show would have uh Jack Brickhouse, um, fucking 84 year old. Yeah. <laughs> talking about the wrestling. So, <laughs> and, 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 and with all these different shows, pro power hour, main event worldwide, you know, all this shit, Saturday night, Saturday night. And, and, um, you know, and, and, and all these shows, they had at least five or six shows. The continuity would have to be – it was someone's job to keep track of all this shit and make sure that the right guy was wearing the world television title. It's just it, – when you look back at it, it's like how – Well, and now they can't – like, it seems like wrestling companies can't do fucking anything right these days. You know what I mean? They're just right. – constantly things are fucked up, and it's like, man, how did – and this wasn't a WCW thing exclusively as well. In the 90s – God damn, at one point, WWF, I think. Well, in the 80s, of course, they had All-American Wrestling, Tuesday Night Titans, Primetime, you know, Superstars, Challenge, Main Event. And then I, I grew up in the era of Mania, Action Zone, Sunday Night Slam, then later Livewire. And then I grew up in the era of, you know, Shotgun Saturday Night and Sunday Night Heat. And they had some Friday Night thing, too. It was just like, yeah, they had Superstars, Livewire, Actions. I mean, there was always these different shows on here, and and again, like all those things had to be. I'm I'm covering it right now in the Brett versus Owen series. That a lot of this stuff has very weird timelines because it's like okay, like they're doing this heel turn, but like in they would go to a town and Owen would be you know a babyface in this town, but had already turned heel on pay per view or whatever. It was or like the opposite. Sorry, the other way around where he would be. You know, it's still a, it was just yeah, it's 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 wild, and I, I I detail it all in the Brett versus Owen series. There's too many instances of it uh, where where I do that, but they had to make sure while they're doing this heel turn that things are being filmed in you know at the right time, and you have this thing with the Quebecers losing the titles to Marty Jannetty one two three kid, and how you handle that on house shows and Mania and and things that were taped you know two three four five weeks prior or whatever, trying to figure that out and maneuver it all around this guy's heel turn or whatever is nuts, and it's why. But they all nailed they nail it. They nail it in the end. It's just a matter of kind of piecing it all together once you're watching. Uh, and, and for the viewer at home, you have no idea. If you were just a normal, random viewer, you would have no idea the stuff that was going on behind the scenes to create you know, this, this stuff and put it all together and make it all work. And uh, yeah, but, but, but you know, for, for newsletter you know, readers and, and reporters and then obviously us now going back and looking at this, it just blows your mind how they could get this all together and make it all make, make sense. But they did. Somehow they did. Yeah. So... Um, anyway, back to ice train. So he goes away to Germany for a while and then he comes back and has the run in 96 to 97, which that's the run that people remember because he had the match against Scott Norton on TV and they had a time limit draw. And the idea was, in fact, that might've been the match where he returned from Germany. Um, and the idea was, well, these guys are so evenly matched and, you know, no one can, 
neither guy can have the advantage over the other, so they ended up becoming a tag team. It's so good, too, because they clothesline each other because they're just massive men with big barrel chests and big arms, and they're both knocked out because they've, they've met their match. It's like, oh, my God, I'm going to hit yeah, you with my yeah. big chest and my big arm. Oh, wait, I'm going to hit you with my big chest and my big arm, and they both, get, they both knock themselves out, and they stand up, and they're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold on a second. <laughs> it's like the Spider-Man meme. You know what I mean? They're like, wait a minute. What if we're they're mirror images? You yeah. and me, we could... Uh, 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 what if we do this and they do it yeah so um then that's that's around the time so they they come together as a team and then they have those matches with the steiners that i was talking about earlier and then um those matches are legit good by the way like legit good yeah yeah and then then they break up and don't they i think that don't they redo the shit with teddy long they did with with ron simmons isn't that how the breakup or was there someone else involved in that? Uh, that no, I Teddy think you're Long right. Too? No, it was Teddy Long that was involved. Uh, yeah, I forget exactly all the details of the breakup, but essentially they were going to move Scott Norton over to the NWO or whatever, so they, they broke them up. And, yeah, I want to say Teddy Long was involved or whatnot, but I, I forget. I, I remember more that it was just kind of – I think that the team still had some legs to it, but I do know that they, they obviously thought Norton would, would probably – specifically Norton they thought could – could do more things so they kind of moved him over and out and into the nwo and then very quickly he was just you know teaming with buff bagwell instead um so i don't know i feel like that would have been better with the, the other I, stuff i think but. i remember teddy long being involved in, in so now i i think if i remember the timeline right i don't know if teddy long was involved in the breakup of the tag team as much as he was involved in once ice train was back by himself teddy long came back and managed him for a little bit okay okay because I feel like they almost repeated the same story they did with Simmons, where it's like they were at odds, and it was obvious which guy was going to go heel and which was going to go face. And I thought Teddy Long was involved both times. Yeah, that I don't remember. That that I don't remember. I do know they faced the Rock and Roll Express, and that was a match that that caused it a lot of the the the, the dissension. I, I know I was I was seeing that one. Yeah, they uh, lost that match. Right, and right. Yeah, that was after. Well, that was in the midst of the feud with the Steiner brothers. Correct. Correct. Right. Because they had a bunch of matches with the Steiners where they were just, you know, that th- those two teams were just perfect fits for each other's style. Just a type of matches uh, you just don't see anymore, man. None of those matches exist anymore because none of these wrestlers exist anymore. The bell rings and they're just snorting at each other and just sweating and just big dudes throwing each other around and dropping each other on their head and flexing and stuff. That shit doesn't happen anymore, man. But then Ice Train... And Scott Norton had a singles feud that lasted a while because they they faced each other on a bunch of different pay-per-views, right? I know Hog Wild for sure. Yeah. And which which was I mean, those pay-per-views. I you know, Eric Bischoff. Let let's have a pay-per-view at a biker rally in front of people who aren't fans, who aren't gonna pop properly and not know <laughs> what's happening. And yeah, no and it's free and it just <laughs> But I get to ride like my Eric, motorcycle to Sturgis right. as a business expense. Yeah. So. We've always yeah. said he's smart. We've never said he's not smart. He's a terrible business person, but we've never said he's not smart. He got WCW to pay him for him and his buddies to ride their hogs out to, out to fucking Sturgis to put on a show that they made absolutely no money from. Yeah. It's genius. So, <laughs> it's great. Uh, so, yeah, he feuds with uh, with Scott Norton, and I guess they had a match at Fall Brawl. Fall Brawl. Yeah, I'm looking at this right now. Fall Brawl, one on WCW Pro. And then I don't – is that it? I swear. No, that, there... That's the blow-off. Oh, because no, then the obviously the, the first one was the Hog Wild. Fall Brawl is the blow-off. Right, right. 
fall fall blow, is the blow off to the feud, and then like you said, Scott Norton probably at that point ends up in the NWO or whatever. Yeah, I think almost and, um, almost immediately after he's in the NWO. And honestly, as far as Ice Train goes, that's it for like being pushed in WCW because he they really don't do anything with him after that feud. He has like a bunch of cool TV matches. You know, he's got the infamous match with Laparka that everyone was talking about this week, which is a shockingly good match that a lot of people forgot about. And then he kind of, he goes back to Germany again, you know, at some point in 1997. And then, you know, we don't see him again for a while until he comes back in the dying days of WCW. And that's when he converted to the MI smooth gimmick, which that's not really that era is not my wheelhouse. So you're gonna have to jump in. Yeah, here. well, <laughs> so he was part of the new blood uh, when when they were doing the uh, another genius. Let's talk about geniuses here. Uh, Vince Russo and Eric Bischoff they decided to come back to WCW in in you know April of of 2000, uh, and they're gonna put their minds together. So Vince Russo obviously was there at the end of uh, 1999 after Eric Bischoff got ousted. Vince Russo comes in. Uh, it's an absolute disaster, uh, his run as the creative force of, of WCW. They say, hey, you're going to have to work on a committee. He says, no, I'm not doing a committee. And then he leaves. And then they kind of book, you know, without him. I think Kevin Sullivan takes back, you know, most of the power uh, in early 2000. And then by April of 2000, they're like, oh, wait a minute. We got it. We're going to combine you, Vince Russo, and you, Eric Bischoff. And this is going to work out great. It's two great wrestling minds that are going to come together and get WCW back on track and and they they come together and they decide we got the best idea ever we're going to do the young versus the old the new blood versus the millionaires club so you have the millionaires club these old guys that have just been holding out of the spots and aren't giving the young guys any other you know any credit they're not putting them over they're not letting them be in main events they're not letting the new generation of wcw thrive and grow and, and get to where they're going to get to. And then you have the young and hungry new generation WCW who is ready to prove themselves and sick of the old guys holding them down and taking all the spots and making all the money and driving this company into the fucking ground. Joe, who was the baby face and who are the heels in this situation? Uh, I'm guessing it's not the way people think that No, it it's is, not the way anybody on earth would fucking think about it. Yes, the Millionaires Club, the old guys, the old millionaires are your baby faces and the young and hungry new blood are your heels because, yes, geniuses. Um, so... M.I. <laughs> Smooth was part of the New Blood. Uh, he was the Cat Ernest Miller's limo driver. M.I. Smooth, the limo driver. Now, what he would do is, do you remember Just Joe in WWF? <laughs> do you, that, nobody remembers Just Joe. Yeah, of course. Do you, do you remember, yeah, remember Just, just Joe? Joe yeah. Okay, so yeah. for people that don't remember Just Joe, which Joe knows Just Joe, but most people don't know Just Joe, uh, Just Joe was a guy that was very briefly in the WWF, and his gimmick was that he would be like backstage while two wrestlers were having an argument or whatever, and they would turn to him and be like, hey, what would you hear about that conversation? He's like, hey, I'm just Joe. <laughs> That's essentially what the yeah. game was every time. And but, he, but, but the thing was, he was like a rumor monger. Yes, he but then he would pass like, those rumors along. And then he would say, hey, I heard right. that uh, gold dust and uh, this guy <laughs> were, were fighting or whatever. Right. And then like the next day, he'd be in the background and they'd say, hey, what are you doing? He's like, whoa, 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 I'm just Joe. <laughs> it's like that was the whole thing. I don't gimmick. know nothing. I'm just Joe. You know, like, <laughs> right. but. But really, he's the one stirring the pot. Right, you know? right, right. It's a, this is Joe E. Legend, by the way, right. who people might know him better from other places. But um, he had that brief run as, yes, just Joe. 
So that's kind of what MI Smooth was. He was like the limo driver, so like the cat would be doing something devious, and the MI Smooth would like pull down the uh, you know the 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 separator uh, in the limo and be listening into what uh, the cat was doing, and that's essentially it. I mean, nothing else happened really. It was he would wrestle occasionally. You know, one time he beat all of the the the, the young dragons, Jamie San. Kaz Hayashi, Jimmy Wang Yang. I think it was just Yang at that time. Uh, he'd have some hardcore matches here and there, and then pretty much nothing. And then he went away, and then, like I said, he came back at the dying days of WCW, like literally, literally the the absolute dying days of WCW. Uh, he was on the second-to-last Nitro, and I think the final Thunder, I want to say he was on the final Thunder, uh, he was involved in the feud between the... Um, it was like God, what the the Magnificent Eight or whatever the fuck they were called. He was still with the Cat, but yeah, he was feuding with uh, God. What the hell was the name of that uh, that group? Let me try to get it here. I oh, man, what the heck with was what, with what Magnificent guys? Seven? With, like, yeah, it was like the final. It was Ric Flair, Rick Steiner, Road Warrior, Animal, oh, yeah. Scott Steiner, Lex Luger, Jeff Jarrett, and Buff Bagwell. And the idea was they were one by one taking out all the top baby faces in WCW because this uh, this is Eric Bischoff's idea as well. Uh, as he was starting to gain back power or potentially power of WCW was, okay, we're going to take everybody away. And then little by little, one by one, we're going to bring everybody back. And that's how WCW is going to kind of come back. Well, they died and nobody came back. So, um, yeah, he was part of the feud with the Magnificent Seven. He was on the Bayface side. But essentially, they had just released like everybody on, in, on the roster. I mean, very few people were still being employed by the company at that point. So I think they were just like, ah, you know what? Let's throw a bone to MI Smooth here. So he had a, a couple of matches in the final few. Uh, the second to last Nitro, and I believe the final Thunder. And, and that was it for his WCW run. Yeah, he. Um, the, the, the thing is, when I went back and I had no recollection of MI Smooth. I, I didn't remember that even ever existing. Uh, as far as I was concerned, to my as far as my memories were concerned, Ice Train's run ended in you know '97. So when I went back and watched that stuff, there really wasn't anything I can glean from it anyway because WCW at that time, the matches were all like 30 seconds long. <laughs> like this was like it was just so it's like I don't know you couldn't really judge his work or, or really no anything. no every match uh, somebody so, was going to run in in 12 seconds and some yeah. bullshit was going to happen that didn't matter. There is a fun Goldberg and my smooth match though. If you're into, if you're into Goldberg destroying guys and and beating people up, you got that. But uh, yeah, otherwise there there wasn't much. So really, to me, he peaked in that 96, 96, really right after the formation of Fire and Ice, and then the breakup. And then the stuff he did afterwards with with all the TV matches when he really didn't have any direction or push, but they would have him on TV all of the time. And that's where you really saw his growth as a worker versus that first run in 93 where he really, there wasn't much there. And they knew it, you know, which is why they tried to, you know, hide him in the tag team with Ron Simmons. And, and once he lost to Simmons, they really couldn't figure out what to do with him. It's kind of like the story of his career there you know, they built to the Ron Simmons feud. That was a whole long-term deal, and they built to it, and they had the blow-off, and then didn't know what to do with Ice Train. And they did the same thing with Scott Norton. Like, they they had this this story to put the team together, and then it, the team did, you know, really good work for a few months. They built to the breakup. They had a, a, a feud over a number of months, and then when they blew off the feud, they didn't know what to do with Ice Train again. Like, they, they just didn't know what to do with the guy once his big feud ran its course. You know, and then and then that would be it for him. And usually he would just go back to Germany and come back refreshed. People hadn't seen him in a while. And then you would just rinse, repeat, and start the whole process over again. But then once WCW folded, that was the end of Ice Train. We never saw the guy again. So 
his career effectively ended in 2001. So that would have been 23 years ago, and that would have made him 33 years old. The guy never wrestled again after the age of 33. That is the part that blew my mind. When they said 56 years old, I was like, well, that can't be right. That's got to be, he's got to be 65. There must be an heir here. And I was like, Jesus Christ, he was 56 years. That guy was wrestling in his 20s. <laughs> you know what I mean? When he was, it, it's, it's wild. Yeah, I, 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 I guess I didn't realize how young he was at that time. So it makes sense why he was still green as hell. He, he was very lightly trained and super, super young and thrown onto you know, major television. Given that, he's better than I thought he'd be. You know what I mean? Like when you, when you look at all that, it's like, holy crap, he's actually probably exceeded what, what he should have been able to do at, at that age with that amount of training and that little of training, especially in the power plant, which wasn't exactly churning out uh, you know, five-star uh, workers uh, in the power plant. But they were churning out big muscle heads, uh, and I do kind of appreciate that uh, a little bit. You know, no more, no Kenny Chaoses in today's wrestling anymore. No, uh, no fire. Max muscle. Right? No Max, Max muscles. muscles. Yeah, no ice trains. I mean, that that's... Mm. Uh, that, that, there was one thing that the power plant was good at, and it was you know generic, big muscle dudes. But uh, you know what? I could take a little bit of that anymore. I was watching that that, that arm wrestling match between Vader and Ice Train, and imagining like, who you couldn't, who are you gonna do that with these days? You know. Well, luckily no one, because I couldn't stand arm wrestling matches when I was a kid. Like, <laughs> that one they was good though. Wrestling. That one was good shit though. Uh, I I that was one of my least favorite gimmicks when guys would do do oh. arm like. Uh, do you remember? Um, but they're big, uh, strong WWF. guys. Joe, they're strong. Are you not following how strong these men are? They're big. People they're used to really pop for that shit. A now defunct Observer Award was strongest wrestler. <laughs> right. Do you remember that? Yeah, of course. Like in the 80s. Like, it'd be like, I uh, love the idea that you have to re- vote for that, too. You're like, well, actually, I, I personally, I think it's you know, Plank or whatever. That's, that's a great award. Well, because that would those used to be discussion <laughs> points in the newsletters. It'd be like, oh, did you see Animal Press Slam? Dr. Death over his head. Wow, the strength did that. Like, that was a thing people talked about a lot. Like, the, like the strength, especially Meltzer, because he was always into bodybuilding. Yeah, he was in the bodybuilding and, world, yeah. Into that culture and everything. So, um, and obviously, as the preeminent sheet writer of the time, you know, he would write about how strong guys were. And I have all the award winners, by thing. the way, whenever you're ready. The strongest I, wrestler yeah. award winners of all time, so. So it used to be a big thing where Meltzer would talk about how much guys could bench press. You know, he'd be like, oh, so-and-so uh, bench pressed 480 pounds, but he did 10 reps, and he did it without a belt. And, and, I mean, you know, like he would always talk about that shit. So that would trickle down, and then, you know, the newsletter fan, it just became a thing. Like, it, that faded away. I don't know at what point, but people stopped talking about who the strongest wrestlers were. But uh, who won the strongest wrestler awards? Uh, all right. So 1981 was Tony Atlas. Tony Atlas, your 1981 Strongest Wrestler uh, Award winner. Uh, 1982, Ken Patera. Uh, it seems like a good one. He was a competitive bodybuilder. In 92? And... 82. 82. Did I say 92? Eight, I was going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I, bet, I can't be. I bet in 92, Patera could still put some, some, some weight up. But uh, no, 82. 82 for Ken Patera. 81 for Atlas. 81 for, for Atlas. Patera. Yeah. Uh, 19... Well, do, do you, you remember know, Tony Ken Atlas? Ken Patera when... at that time. Yeah, go ahead. Ken Patera at that time was doing strongman contests. Right, right, right. And his brother was Jack Patera, head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. And Ken Patera at that time. Now it sounds like I'm doing Observer Live uh, or Observer Radio. And, and, and Ken Patera was, would be in those um, World Strongest Man competitions that they used to replay on ESPN. He never did well, though. He'd always finish like ninth out of ten guys. And snapped his it leg always... in one of them, too, if I remember correctly. He, he put up some weight and just yes. brimp, his leg just went the other way. And it's not good. It would always be some guy from like Finland, Mag Magnusson, or like they always had names like that that would win those things. It would never be like 
they'd always have a token American like Ken Patera or maybe like a boxer or something. And those guys would would never do particularly well. Anyway, who else won this Dopey Award? Yeah, I used, I used to watch all those things, those strongman competitions. We should yeah. just watch those. Those are better than <laughs> the, guys, the guys that would win. Would, they would be Vikings. From no, yeah, the, the one guy that I always remember, you know I mean? he, he was Icelandic, was Magnus Ver Magnuson. That dude won like yeah. all yeah, the time. That's probably the guy I was thinking of, <laughs> right? Yeah. Magnus Ver Magnuson. Yeah, yeah, that guy was incredible. Um, Little tiny head, gigantic body. Yeah, just, he just like, lifts stones boring. over his head like they're nothing. You know, <laughs> it's just great. Yeah. Uh, 1983, Hulk Hogan wins the uh, strongest wrestler award. Uh, there, 1984, Butch Reed, back-to-back years for Road Warrior Animal in 85 and 86. And then Dr. Death Steve Williams gets it four years in a row, 87, 88, 89, 90, and it is retired after 1990. Yeah, so that's probably about the time where it kind of faded from the you know, smart wrestling fan culture, talking about how strong guys were, but... Um... Yeah, anything else on Ice Train? Well, a the Shermanator brings up a good point. Career. We talked about the, you know, we did our match of the year show yesterday about how we're, we're you know, we're in this in this space and there's nobody else doing this in this space. Uh, Shermanator says the Voices of Wrestling Strongest Wrestler of the Year award poll. We guys, we have the power. We could do this. <laughs> I don't know. The, the list would be like 10 guys at this point that I think are actually strong wrestlers. Like, right? Like, who would you even? It's a very small list of guys these days. Shane Mercer on the Indies, Powerhouse Hobbs looks like a pretty strong guy. I don't know. It's it's yeah, but to win that award, you had to you had to do feats of strength, right, right, right. Like that was the whole, you know what I mean. So it's like like Hulk Hogan body slamming guys. That was part of what made him the strongest wrestler. That he would go up against a big guy and lift him over his head and power bomb him or whatever. I don't know who the because nobody does moves like that anymore. You know? No, they don't. The power wrestlers are kind of a thing in the past I mean, like powerhouse not... hobbs looks like what you would think that guy but he doesn't really work to that he at all do that stuff no no who does, he doesn't really do that stuff you know so i don't know who's doing i mean he did body slam paul white on the on the car true true and that would that would that would help his strongest wrestler that would be something sure. that, that that see that would pop a 1982 observer <laughs> right right you know they'd be impressed with that i lifted that big man up i would like to know what his car. raw bench press yeah. is we're gonna have to start asking guys what their uh their bench press numbers are with and without how much belts. you bench how yeah. much you bench yeah <laughs> right. you get that's that's a key component to this too it's sad that we really can't think of power wrestlers like what happened to strongman what happened to that guy Strongman? I don't know what happened to Strongman. What what happened to Strongman like seven years ago? Yeah, what, what, uh, I guess we got the bodyguard still. But Do he's we getting still less. have him? Nah, not really. Kolega is no longer a thing. He yeah. pops up in Osaka, Osaka Pro. Yeah. But he doesn't look uh, like does he, do- he doesn't look strong anymore. He just looks like he has muscles, no. but it looks like he's gonna like explode at any point. See, the key is who is doing feats of strength in the ring. Right. That's the key. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't I don't see anyone. Like right, who's, who's doing lift, a press slam? Yeah, who's doing press slams and lifting guys above their heads or whatever? Because like Lex Luger's entire thing was like a big wrestler would come up and he'd walk up to Vader and be like, "All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna body slam this guy," and he'd try once and oh, I don't know if I can do it. And then he would say, oh, "I'm gonna do it." And then he would body slam the guy and the crowd would go nuts. And then he you know think about the torture rack and it's like, "Oh, he can't torture rack this guy, can he?" And then he'd lift him up and the crowd would go, "Yeah!" Like nobody does that anymore. No one does the I can't lift this guy spot anymore and then say, ah, I know what, I'm a baby face. I got it, I got it, I got it. Yeah, I lifted him. Like, that, that, that's done. That's over. I just thought of who would, who would win it every single year. Is it Otis? 
Castagnoli. Oh, Claudio. Yeah, Claudio does still do strongman stuff. Yeah. He, he'd win. If that award existed, he'd win it every year. You're right. You're right. That's a good call. You know, he was doing the, uh, the what do you call it, the neutralizer? Yeah, yeah. He he would do that to, like, the great Kali, and people would go fucking ape shit. Do you remember that? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you're not even lifting the guy all the way up. You're just like. <laughs> hey, let him have it. Big man. That's a big you're guy. Kinda, you're lifting him, like, off his feet and then dropping forward. And I would always lose my mind because I'm like, this isn't that impressive. <laughs> like, that neutralizer move was never that impressive to me. Yeah, Cena always did a pretty good job of of getting big guys up for the uh, the FU or the attitude adjustment or whatever. That was always pretty fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Cena was a strong guy. What are we doing? What is this conversation? (laughs) Something other than talking about Vince McMahon. (laughs) Like, there's no way of knowing who the strongest wrestler is. We just got to start asking. We got to start asking around, getting bench press numbers. But now we're crossfitting and stuff. No one's up there putting... Yeah, you know, no one's up there putting plates on for a bench press or whatever. They're they're doing all dynamic shit and you know all stuff. That... I would think Brian Cage would have to be up there, right? Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, I don't know. Does he look strong or is he strong? Right, right, right. Like Ice Train, that dude was fucking strong. You could tell it. Yeah. He looked strong and he was. Um, Same for like Scott Norton, obviously. Right. right. Like, like never did Scott cardio, never did, never he, once step foot on a treadmill, a bike, or an elliptical, or anything like that ever. Never, never once. He walked into the gym, sat at the bench, and then bench pressed, and then left. That's all he did. You know what I mean? Scott Norton's the guy who helps you move, and you're like, you think you have to help him with a big chest, and he's like, oh, I got it. I got yeah, right, it. right. <laughs> does it himself and totally emasculates you in front of your wife. You know, because he could just like you think you're going to help him lift something, and he's just like, no, nah, I got it. <laughs> right, just grab the couch by himself. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fine. Get out of the way. Go away. Go away. Go away. I got it. Yeah, you're just in my way. Just, I'll do it. <laughs> right, you know, like. Right. <laughs> if you need help, if you need help, let me know. I'm right here. <laughs> yeah. It's like the same shit you do to your wife when she tries to help you with something. Like, then Scott Norton comes to your house, and then he totally emasculates you and does shit, and just you're in his way. You know, that's 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 the Scott Norton ice train strength. But they just, you don't have those barrel chested strong men in wrestling. Anymore. No. I can't even think of one. Big E? Yeah. Big e, Big e was a good one. Um, he he kind of, yeah, he kind of did that sort of stuff. I, I On the women's side, I guess like your Bianca Belairs and your Jordan Graces kind of do that as well. Um, eh, Someone said Alexander Hammerstone, but he's a different vibe, though. Yeah, it's not the same. Jeff Cobb, sort of. I guess Jeff Cobb would Jeff be one. Jeff Cobb's a good one. He's Jeff a good Cobb's one. a good he's, one. Yeah, he's probably strong. You oh, stand next to that guy. Yes, it's insane. It's insane. He's like he's he's shaped he's like a three of you. Yeah, he's three people of uh, like three people wide. It is absurd. His thigh is the width of my torso, and I'm not a small guy. Like his his thighs are just fucking enormous. Yeah, I saw him have trouble get through a door. He was at the uh, Knights of Columbus working for Dreamwave. And uh, they have, you know, it's a pretty small building. <laughs> I saw him walk through a doorway and have to stop and go sideways to get through the door because the door wasn't yeah. big enough for him. And I'm like, that's probably not the only time that's happened to him because he did it like very matter of factly. It was like, oh, no, I can't get through that one. Like that has happened a lot of times for, for, for Jeff Cobb. He knew exactly how to handle a situation of this door is not large enough for me to get through. Yeah, it's uh, he's a shockingly. Like he's not tall. No, he's like my height. Yeah, he was like shorter than I was too. And but yeah, just 
He's just like wide. He like he's not. I, it's so hard. To you got to see him. I, I've, see I've him mentioned first. this on the show before, but you, you won't believe it until you stand next to this guy. And you're like, that is just the widest human being I've ever seen in my entire life. What? Seeing him in a ring doesn't count. Like, no, you no, have no, to no. Be, no, you have to be like, like in, in, in the gen pop. With him. Yeah. Yeah. If you're yeah. not, if you're next to him or if he's in a crowd or whatever, you need to, yeah, you got to stand by him and near him to, to quite understand. Yeah. Because like in the ring, the ring is different. There's all kinds of freak shows in the ring. You got to see him like, in line with you to buy like a concession or like, like, at the, like, you know, getting like buying a water at the concession store, like you're behind him. And like, then you know that this guy's just not shaped like a normal human being. <laughs> right. I saw him buy candy. Uh, he was buying candy at this Dreamwave show and he just grabbed the whole, you know, how there's like the box of candy and it's got like seven, you know, bags of M&Ms or whatever. He just grabbed the whole box. He was just like, I'll take these. That's some for his pals. <laughs> I mean, it's probably going to put some calories in. Mm. He he took like six and he said, "Is this for the kids?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, it's for like the kids' charity." And he just said, "I'll have the whole box." <laughs> he just bought the whole box. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice man, nice gesture. But he's probably just like, oh, "I'll probably eat all." This. What's two more bags of of peanut M and M's? It's fine. I'll probably eat them. Uh, peanut. Yeah, he was a Chikara peanut uh, guy. I hate to tell you. So, peanut uh, M and M's are fantastic. All right, Joe. Um, Peanuts out of here. Um, Do we have to talk about the Royal Rumble? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, All right. Uh, hey, you know what you can do with the Royal Rumble is you can listen to us instantly react to the Royal Rumble this Saturday over at FlagshipPatreon.com. We're going to do that immediately following uh, Saturday's Royal Rumble, so make sure you're on there. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on the uh, media scrum as well, which I'm sure will be a very newsworthy media scrum. Uh, I am using very, very large air quotes. You, you, it's not an audio, a video show, just an audio show. But uh, yeah, I am, I'm winking and making large air quotes about the very uh, uh, newsworthy media scrum. We'll see. But we'll be on the air live immediately after Royal Rumble. Uh, Instant Reaction Live, that is on our $10 tier at FlagshipPatreon.com. And by the way, a huge week over there at FlagshipPatreon.com as well. We have had a lot of content and a lot more still to come. Uh, I am doing the Rumble Rewind series, so going back and watching classic Royal Rumbles, that is up there. Uh, my Brett versus Owen series, looking at the history of the Brett Hart and Owen Hart feud. A uh, new episode of that covering Royal Rumble 1994 and Owen finally turning on Brett. That will be up in the next couple of days as well. You had your weekly Thursday Dynamite review this week as well, re- recapping uh, last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. That's on there. You also have two bonus shows that we did for the $5 tier. That is on Tuesday. We did a show about the WWE Netflix deal to move Raw to Netflix. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but that was kind of our, our, our breaking news audio, what we knew at the time, reacting to that, peeling back the layers of the deal about why I don't think it's that very you know that good of a deal. You kind of agreeing uh, as well that there's some, some stuff in this deal that might not be all the way there. So I, I think we did a pretty good job with that, about an hour plus talking about the Netflix deal. Uh, so go back and listen to that on Tuesday. We'll, we're we're going to follow up a little bit on the show, but the meat and potatoes of the deal are discussed on that episode. Uh, and then just yesterday... We did the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year Top 10 reveal uh, as well. So if you are listening to this right now uh, and you want to know who the top 10 of the Voices of Wrestling Match of the Year is, now that poll will be out by Friday afternoon at some point. You'll know who the top 10 is at that point. But what I will say is in this year's episode, we didn't just reveal the top 10. We've done that sometimes where we just got on there and said, here are the 10 matches. Here's who we voted for. Okay, bye. This one, we really dug deep into the history of the Match of the Year poll, why it came together, and then a lot of the statistics of the Match of the Year poll, both historically, this year, reaction. So there's a lot more analysis in this year's uh, um, um, 
episode. So I would really, even if you know what the top 10 is and you don't really care or you know what our ballots are and you don't really, I think there's a lot of analysis that I think you will enjoy out of that episode as well. So that is also available on the $5 tier. So a busy week, busy, busy week over there at flagshippatreon.com. We're going to cap it off on Saturday with Instant Reaction Live for the Royal Rumble. So uh, anything else to say about uh, the old flagship Patreon before we get to the Royal Rumble? No, I, you know, we, we went pretty deep on the Netflix deal on the new media rights deal for raw um, and approached it from a bunch of different angles that I don't know that a lot of other outlets did. So um, we approach it from every which way. And, and um, you know, that's, that's why we're not doing a full segment on the media rights deal on this show. I couldn't even imagine having time to do that. The good thing we did a show in the middle. Yeah. Of the <laughs> we, we, we bailed them ourselves out with that one. I don't know how we would have gotten to everything, but if someone's looking for our breakdown of that, as rich just said, it's uh and that's $5 audio. That wasn't a live audio. So you can get that audio breaking down the media rights deal on the $5 tier. Quite honestly, there's not, a ton more to talk about there were you want to just do that now the the, the details that came yeah out you know what let's did the audio yeah why not let's do it yeah so we we were as rich said when you peel back the layers of the deal it's it's not it's a good deal i can't call it a great deal i don't think it's a phenomenal deal there's a lot of uh potential pitfalls in the deal for wwe i i i think you know when you really break down the level of raise they got because they didn't just sell the raw media rights in the United States. They also sold the raw media rights and all the other markets with, we think the exception of India and um, North Africa, Middle East. And in addition for all those international markets, it isn't just the raw rights either. It's essentially what constituted the old network with the network going away. So it's right. going to be the, everything. the pay-per-views and SmackDown and NXT so when you really break down what all of that stuff is worth today, plus factor in a small raise for all of those uh, pieces of content, you know, the 500 million was a increase in totality, but depending on which analyst you want to listen to somewhere between a 20 to 40% increase more than likely uh, rather than, you know, on the surface, if you don't really dig in, it just looks like they went from 265 million a year for Raw to 500 million. That really isn't the case because the 500 million is for the global rights and things other than Raw 2 outside of the United States. So if you want a detailed breakdown of of why the deal is a little deceptive and why the 5 billion number isn't a real number either, real quote unquote, they might not see 5 billion dollars out of this deal. In fact, there's a good chance they don't see $5 billion out of the deal, but it's being pushed in the media as a 10-year $5 billion deal. Because, you know, but again, go listen to our audio. We break it all down. We peel back the layers. It's a uh, it's, uh, uh, good audio that we look at from a bunch of different angles. But what's new since we did that audio? There is there has been some new developments on this. Yeah, so we had, we had some questions about you know the renewals and there was the idea of okay, is this going to be you know because in the in the in the piece or in the in the press releases they talk about that Netflix has an opt out after five years and then a potential to renew for an additional ten years and you sort of had the question of okay, where does that what, what are we talking about here with this ten years? Is it ten years after? You know, a- a- after the five, is it 10 years after whatever? I think we have this clarified from Dave Meltzer, clarified that it is 
It's five if Netflix opts out early. Of course, we know that. So, so we know that for sure. It's at least five years. It's at least five years. It's it's hundred percent going to be five years. But after that five year period, Netflix has the ability to opt out of the deal. Now it's five hundred million dollars per year. But if, after five years, Netflix can say we're good, we're done. Thank you for your time. We're, we're going to move on to something else. Ten is if the standard contract works out. So they might say, you know what, we're going to hang. But we're not gonna we're we're not gonna renew this additionally. But we'll stick around for ten years, and then there's twenty if they re up after ten, if that makes sense. So they have two options. Technically, yes, yeah. Oh well, okay, not two options. They have the option to dip out after five. They have the option to dip out after have... five. They have the option to just stick with the ten that or they originally signed, 10. or they can then opt in to do twenty years. So it's a 5, 10, or 20-year deal. Correct. Correct. Right. And the thing about it is, so there's no guarantee WWE sees anything other than the five years. That's all they can really bank on. Right. Right now, 100% that all they can get is the five-year for now. Right. And and someone made a good point in either our Discord or one of the chats. Again, I apologize if, if I don't remember who it was. Who says Netflix exists in 20 years? That's a big reason why I, I'm, I'm very weird about doing all this sort of stuff. Because it's like, man, think of what this world looked like five years ago, 10 years ago, the streaming world. <laughs> think about all the different networks that existed you know, 10 years ago that, exi- that don't exist these days. It, it's Plus with all the mergers and everything yeah. that go on with yeah, these streaming yeah, yeah. services. And, and you know, it's uh, – look, again, the more you peel back on this deal – it doesn't match. I think the headlines are very creative. And look, I floated the idea that it's possible that both the WWE side and the Netflix side are fully aware that there's no way this thing is going the full 20. But the idea was, let's just announce it as a $5 billion deal. Right. Uh, that That's a possibility too. You know, just to, to you know, because people, a lot of people don't read past the headline and they're just going to see five billion and that makes WWE look good. That works for Netflix because it increases, uh, you know, the, the negotiation uh, the baseline for for their competitors. There's a million reasons why you would do that. And it's not unusual at all to do that in business. The analogy we made were NFL contracts, which a lot of times fake money is announced that, you know, the player is never going to see. Right. So, um, you know, there, there's that aspect of it, too. The, the other thing that broke since we did our audio was it is now confirmed that USA will not be carrying the show for those that three month dead period where no one has the rights to raw because the deal is up. In what September or October of 2024? Yeah, it's 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 September third or September 30th or whatever. I don't know if it, yeah, I forget if September right. is 30 days or 31 so days no or whatever. One, but yeah, nothing. So no one. Nothing from October yeah. to December. We have no nowhere where it's going to be for those. Correct. Those no, no, no one has Raw under contract from November through December of 2024. So the question is, where is Raw going to air during those three months? Well, now we know it's not going to be USA. So, you know, if I'm Netflix, I, you know, I, if I'm WWE, I, I give that to Netflix for the reasons we talked about behind the paywall. You, you kind of want. The most, the best, the most continuity possible. You don't want to send your viewers somewhere temporarily for three months and then tell them, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're moving again." Now you got to come see us on Netflix three months later. Just find a way, even if you have to do it for free, to just go straight seamlessly from USA 
to Netflix. That's right. You want you want continuity again. on either end. You want continuity either. Hey, stick with USA for a couple more months and then we're leaving. Or right. hey, mo- now's the time to move over to Netflix. And yeah, if if, if you got to do it for free, do it for free. Just to say you know, and, and give give everybody time to get things together and 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 whatnot. And I think that's probably the best solution because doing something wild like signing a you know three month deal with insert random channel here or whatever i mean i don't even know what they with usa saying no we're good we're out that that doesn't leave a whole lot of options like who else would pick this thing up who else would even run with this thing for three months who would want three months of raw it just seems like a very weird thing that that and, and it's like so weird that they even signed this and i know that it's probably because all the international stuff is all ending at the same time too so it's just easier for netflix to start things off uh, fresh with the new year, but yeah, it's it's a very odd thing for this to have this weird three month gap where uh, we might just not have raw for three months. I don't know, you know what I mean? Like I don't know, is that what they're gonna do? Show it on Peacock, I guess, is one solution. But why would Peacock? I mean, they might just say eh, we're good. You know, you guys are you're, you're clearly leaving our service soon, so I don't really give a shit. You know, <laughs> it's like we're not gonna have any loyalty to you guys. We have no real allegiance to you guys anymore. So I, I guess that's I, I don't know. It it it's. Uh, I guess with SmackDown sticking with NBC Universal, maybe they put it on Peacock or something like that. But I, I don't know. I don't see that necessarily happening either. I, it, it very strange. So that that is kind of a new thing that we have as well. Uh, one of the other things is that there are escalators in the deal because we had talked about that too. Like, did you guys sign this deal where like no matter what, like you're locked into this five hundred million dollars thing because that could be a really really bad deal here in uh, you know twenty thirty five and twenty forty or whatever. Signing a deal for five hundred million now, it, it, who knows what the money's going to look like or what inflation's going to look like at that point? Uh, but apparently, if that second term, that second ten year term happens, there are escalators in that to at least you know give give. WWE, maybe their proper market value or whatever. But as far as what those escalators are, how much those escalators are, either way, you're not negotiating in a free market system. So I doubt those things are going to be the same as if you were able to kind of say, hey, you should pay us X. And it's like, well, no, we have all the power. We opted in. So, you know, yeah, we have a little escalators built in, but we don't, we're not under any obligation to pay you guys, you know, X, Y, and Z or whatever. So I'm still, I'd be fascinated to see what those escalators entail and just how much money. Uh, is being involved in there, but maybe it's, you know, percentage of the highest other live sports, you know, thing. who knows uh, what's involved in that. But we do know about the escalators. And uh, finally, we I, I was talking about this on the show we did on Patreon a little bit of like, uh, I heard this stuff about Netflix. I don't know if it was real. Well, they did actually confirm it that Netflix is no longer allowing new and returning members to sign up for the ad-free basic subscription that costs eleven ninety nine per month. Uh, all you have now is the fifteen forty nine per month option, and that's the cheapest ad free plan uh, that you can do. So you have either the six ninety nine per month. We we kind of talked about this on the show, yeah, but I just wanted yeah. to confirm that we got it right. Um, six ninety nine per month. That is what is going to have ads on it. That's the ad supported basic plan uh, for six ninety nine per month. Or you can do the twenty two ninety nine per month premium tier as well, which gets you the ultra HD and and of all that other stuff. So you have six ninety nine, fifteen forty nine, and twenty two ninety nine are the three tiers. But that former eleven ninety nine per month tier that is going away. That's gone. So um, I thought I read somewhere they're talking about getting rid of the fifteen. That, I thought I saw that too. too. I don't know if that's been confirmed yeah. either, but that's they're going to do that. They're going to do that because they don't they they are making their money back on ads. We talked about that on the show. They are going yeah. to make the money. They're paying this 
WWE $500 million, and they have all this billion-dollar content strategy, not because they're going to get that back off of six, you know, <laughs> $23 subscriptions from a bunch of people. They're going to get that back by having you pay $7 a month and then also serving you ads as, as, as frequently as they possibly can with as high a rates right. as possible. They want the ad money. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, WW, bottom line here, we'll move on. Again, if you want, we got, what, 90 minutes of audio on this behind the paywall? Yep. Two hours of audio, whatever it is we did. Um, the bottom line here is WWE is a big winner here if if Netflix doesn't opt out after the fifth year and then the media rights bubble finally explodes after that. There'll be big winners in that one and only instance. Uh, because if the media rights bubble finally bursts before the five years, Netflix is going to opt out after the fifth year. So that that's kind of the key here from that standpoint. Yeah, I think you said on the show, like if in that the, the only time this is going to work, and it probably will because it's this fucking company, is six years into the deal after Netflix says we want to do the other ten. Yeah, uh, the live right. sports bubble bursts and these guys just laugh all the way to the bank as per usual. Right, and they're getting an exorbitant amount of money for content that they would have gotten half for after the bubble burst or something. That that there'll be big winners in that instance. So it's a gamble from that standpoint. Does Nick Khan maybe he sees that coming? Um, you know, but people have been talking about that bubble bursting for a while. Now, to be fair, I'm not seeing the massive increases that we've been seeing over the last couple of cycles with, with, a, now we have to see what happens with the NBA. Okay. And you have to leave the NFL out of it because they're their own animal. Right. The they're, they're, so, yeah. Who they're going to do ungodly numbers on the, on every one of their next deals. They're going to get a trillion dollar deal here one of these days. And, and yeah, who knows? And that Bill's chiefs, that Bill's chiefs game just did 56 million viewers. We're talking about something just, <laughs> right. it's not even in the same universe as anything else that, that uh, on television, but yeah, well, we'll see what happens with the NBA, but um, um, yeah, yeah. An okay deal is bottom line, uh, but 90 minutes of audio on that behind the paywall. Um, Royal Rumbles this weekend, live instant reaction, instant reaction live rather uh, this weekend, you get to get that on the $10 tier. So, um, there is a late, there is, there is uh, breaking news coming from, I want to say this is Fightful. Did you see this yet? I don't know if I saw anything. Um, no. What do you got? One name that has been, and I just lost it. Where did it go? Um, it looks like maybe Brock was going to be a surprise for the Rumble. And for <laughs> gestures around obvious reasons um, that, that may not be happening now. Um, let me see if I can find it. I just had it and now I lost it. Uh, all right, here we go. Here's the report. Um, please navigate away from this page if you wish to remain spoiler free. Okay. Um, there are naturally a lot of potential Royal Rumble surprises, but one could end up changing for obvious reasons. Recently, Fightful reported that Brock Lesnar was to return to WWE TV this week. Fightful learned that the Royal Rumble was originally discussed as a potential target. This was reiterated to Fightful Thursday, but it was noted that in light of Lesnar's implied inclusion in the Vince McMahon lawsuit, that may change. So I guess it isn't news. It's just, um, I guess, fight. someone from the company has told Fightful that they're now rethinking Brock Lesnar showing up at the Royal Rumble. Yeah, which is probably a, a I smart would think idea. it would be insane to put him in the Royal Rumble at this point. I mean, that show is in two days. What are we doing here? I mean, you can't have that guy in the Royal Rumble with the news that just came out. I mean, the worst case scenario with this story 
is like the the the, the company has to completely clean out all of their leadership and start from scratch. How can you brazenly just stick that guy <laughs> with what he's been accused of? Right. Right. You just read what Lesnar is accused of in that lawsuit. You can't have him show up in the world. Run. Are you out of your minds? And do so, well. And yeah. do well. And beat a lot of people and toss a lot of guys out and get pushed as like a tippy top dude. Yeah, that's uh, I don't think you could do that. I guess we have to get this one out of the way, too. Um, this is more just fans talking, but there's rumblings of MJF potentially showing up in the Royal Rumble. I will say it again, and I've been saying this consistently. I am of the belief, not through any insider knowledge, not that anyone has told me because the most closely guarded secret in AEW uh, and, and something that's strictly only known between Tony Khan, MJF, and whoever fucking is signing checks I am of the belief that MJF re-signed with that company a long time ago and that this war battle, war of 24 nonsense is nothing but storyline. I know they took him off the roster page on the website. I think that's just to put over the story. Yeah, Adam Cole go on TV and say MJF is gone forever. He would have never said that if MJF's not coming back to eventually get his revenge on Adam Cole. So I'm not buying it, but I guess we have to address it. Are are you putting 0% chance on MJF showing up at the Royal Rumble? Or do you think there's an outside shot that none of this was a work and it was a shoot and he's gone? Uh, I would really hope <laughs> that that's not the, because that would be pretty wild. I, I, you know, putting all this, you know, having this guy as your top dude and doing all these sort of things. And like you said, Cole saying, you're never going to see that guy ever again, or that guy's gone forever. That right. seems like in, in, in wrestler speak, that's no way we always, you know, we always talk about Jeremy McDivitt. to get me. Right. Jeremy McDivitt always having this, this, you know, when Eric Bischoff, another genius move by Eric Bischoff, you know, challenging Vince McMahon to a fight on pay-per-view and Jeremy McDivitt, who then sued Eric Bischoff said that, you know, by Eric Bischoff saying at one point, oh, Vince McMahon's not going to come to the pay-per-view because he doesn't want to face me, was implying that he was going to come. You know what I mean? It was all this weird stuff. And it's like, in wrestling speak, actually, when you say this, what you're doing is you're hinting that it's going to happen. So that's kind of what I apply the logic to, this Adam Cole thing of, like, if if he says you're never going to see that guy ever again, um, that seems a little too on the nose for then him not to, to to show up on the Royal Rumble or whatever. So... Well, I'm not going to put it at zero because I don't know. It's wrestling, man. This wild wrestling world is is, <laughs> is getting more ridiculous by the day. But uh, I'd put it at uh, a very low percent, 2.5%. Okay, How about I, that? I put it at zero, and I'm willing to take a massive L if he shows up at the Royal Rumble. I don't buy it for one second. I think he's re-signed. I think he's re-signed for a number of years. I think he's he might be the highest paid person in the company. So, I no, I do not think MJF is showing up at the Royal Rumble. Um as far as the men's rumble, they did the big face off with Cody and CM Punk. So it seems as though the match will be built around those two. They they It was a good segment. That was a good segment. End, yeah, they might end up being the final two or whatever. Punk is the betting line favorite on most uh sports books. So um I guess the question would be can Seth Rollins be ready in time? What's the latest on Rollins? So I was, think he's not getting surgery. Obviously that they, they just he said that on Raw. He is not getting surgery. He's gonna, you know, work through it. But I think he's still probably gonna be out a little bit. So I wanna say he's out. It, given that he had a what a partially torn MCL and a, a, a meniscus yeah. he, he gotta have to wait a couple weeks for sure. So I think he could if he wants to, he could be ready at the he could be ready at WrestleMania, but it's not gonna be he can't be doing anything until then, basically. Yeah, so the match would be, if he can work WrestleMania, it would be Punk winning the Rumble and then challenging for the fake world title and facing Seth Rollins. 
at WrestleMania, which then where does that leave Cody? So the big thing among the WWE hardcores is they want Cody to finish the story, right? And they don't want The Rock facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And I know we've talked about this a little bit already um, a, a couple of months ago. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to tell fans what they should and shouldn't want. But to me, this whole bloodline story has always been designed to eventually get to Roman Reigns versus The Rock. It's not about Cody. It's about Roman Reigns versus The Rock. And if I'm running that company and I have an opportunity to put anytime The Rock is involved in pro wrestling, he's instantly the biggest star in pro wrestling. Yes. First of all, let's get that straight and let's get that out of the way. I won't debate it. I won't debate you. I won't argue with you. You're wrong. If The Rock is involved in pro wrestling, he is automatically the biggest star in the business. And, and in fact, it's not even close. There's not even a number two. Not Roman Reigns. Not whoever the fuck. Uh, I don't care who you want to name. The Rock is the biggest star in wrestling if he's involved in wrestling. So if he wants to come back, he's working the main event of WrestleMania. And this whole bloodline head of the table story, they, they as we've been talking about for years, they've been waiting around for The Rock to want to do this match. So I'm sorry, but Cody got to get behind. He got to get, he got to get, he's behind in line now. You got to get in line, Cody. If this was the year they were going to finish the story, well, it's not the year anymore. Tough shit. Because it's The Rock. Okay? And you're not going to set The Rock aside so so you can do this Cody thing that, that you know, it's not going to happen. It's not realistic. So I don't know. These fans are out of their minds. Now, again, I'm not going to tell them what they should and shouldn't want to see. That's up to the, you know, that's up to you as a fan. But this is preposterous. This isn't even a debate. If The Rock calls up WWE and says, I want to work WrestleMania this year, whatever you have planned gets wiped off the fucking table, and now you're doing The Rock versus Roman Reigns. For sure, End for the sure. Story. End the fucking story. And but, I don't know how you could argue that. Well, what I will say is that I believe that WWE has tried to play it both ways as well because they keep telling people that, oh, Cody's going to finish the story and everybody talks about finishing the story or whatever. And it's very convenient, but then, again, once there's a better option out there, they immediately ditch it and move on or whatever. And I do see why some fans might get frustrated by that because the company is telling you, because there's a lot of people being like, you, you know, like, like are saying like you, well, the, the story is actually Roman and the rock. And I agree. The story is Roman and the rock, but then you have to stop telling fans. It's about finish the story, finish the story, finish the story. They want it both ways. They want, if the rock is not there, they want to be able to slide Cody in there. But then if the rock can go in there, they want to be able to say, Hey, Cody hit the fucking bricks. The rocks here. And I get it. I understand that, but I do understand why fans are maybe a little frustrated because the, the company is, you know, and, and people are too busy throwing roses at this company but this company is 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 one foot in one foot out with cody and one foot in one foot out with the rock and it's like all right you guys got to decide what the fuck you're going to do here and if the rock signed up obviously it's got to be the rock but you know hinting and and and, and doing this sort of stuff with cody is only going to make people a little bit more upset and that's what i'm interested to see what happens in the royal rumble here because i think a lot of people are expecting cody to win and he might not and he might not be at the main event of WrestleMania. And again, if you have The Rock, of course you're going to put The Rock in, the, in that spot. And of course, The Rock and Roman Reigns is a way bigger match than The Rock and Cody Rhodes. But I do understand why fans are frustrated because tri- you know Triple H and, and WWE Creative have been very careful to you know continue to kind of plant the seeds of Cody finishing the story. But then ultimately, they have no plans of finishing that story if The Rock is available. You, you know what I mean? Like it's it's they're trying to kind of play it both ways. And and and. F- yeah, I hear you. Look, my opinion should mean little because I don't care about the bloodline story and how it ends. Okay. Um, I'm not a fan of it. I'm not interested in it. I don't find the story interesting. But if you're asking me, I would be more interested in The Rock versus Roman Reigns. We already saw Cody versus Roman. 
their time to finish that story was last year. They missed the peak on that. Right. I agree. In my view. I, I that was the time to do it. Solo Sokoa coming out and costing Cody that match to me was deflating. As a viewer, as as someone who I really has no dog in the fight, because I don't really care about the story all that much anyway. They had me with that. I was interested. And then uh, to me, it's like, ah, well, they missed the moment. It has always been building to the Rock and Roman. To me, that's the more intriguing match. It's the more intriguing booking decision, how they work around the idea. Because let's face it, the Rock does not have many wrestling matches left in him. Maybe only one more. So then how do you get around that? Do you have Roman beat him? That's pretty bold. Do you have the Rock beat him? Maybe you can, but then you can't put the title on the Rock. Right now, the Rock is your world champion. <laughs> yeah, now what do you do? Or do you do the match and not have it be for the title because you don't need the title because it's for the head of the table, right? right. Which is something that they've gotten over. They've gotten that over. And here's the thing: the Rock has now publicly talked about head of the table twice, once on their television. You don't think he's getting this match? You're deluded if you don't think he's getting this match. You're just setting yourself up for disappointment. If you're someone who wants Cody to be in the match and you think it's the, why, why would the rock keep saying, keep making references to being the head of the table? If, if he doesn't, if he's not in the match, of course he's in the match. Now you do have two nights to WrestleMania. Could you do both matches? I mean, I, I you could, but I keep seeing people say, Oh no, you can't do both match. Well, why not? <laughs> you just can't. Why can't you do, you can do anything you want. Why can't you do Cody and Roman one night for the title? And then do Roman and The Rock the next night. Right? It's two different stories. The problem is so, you're, you're, you know, you're tripling uh, Roman Reigns' normal output uh, in those two nights. So I don't know if he can do back-to-back nights of wrestling after, you well, know. Well, you just, the, the first, you, whichever one he's going to win, you have to do first, obviously. Right? And then you have him lose on the second one. So, you know, if he's beating The Rock, you do that night one. And then if he's losing to Cody, you do that night two. But I, I, I don't understand this. Like someone needs to talk me through why you couldn't do both matches. That I don't understand. Why not? You do anything you want. You do what you want. But but the Rock wouldn't be referencing head of the table constantly if they're not. If that's not the plan. No, I mean so Jesus Christ. He was doing the media rounds. He was doing the media rounds on Tuesday, and they asked him, and he, I mean, in no uncertain terms, said, "Yeah, getting the ring. You know, he's he's getting there." I, I'm just I'm surprised he's doing Philly. And he didn't do L.A. or he doesn't want to do, you know, he didn't do Dallas with the bigger stadiums because he's all about setting records and bragging about how much money he drew and all this shit. Why is he doing the smaller building? That's does he just think that this is the slice of time that he has? I think like, this this is the, is my I time. think he thinks um, this is the slice. And I think he's probably he's 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 probably at his lowest point that he's been over the last decade or so. In terms of stardom, you know what I mean. In terms of movie stardom, and sort of in terms of curating and that sort of stuff, just because a couple of the movie releases have been kind of bad, and people are kind of like, people are seeing how plastic his whole thing is. You know, how, it's just, you know, like I feel like people have kind of seen through The Rock lately and Dwayne Johnson or whatever. So I do think maybe he thinks, okay, this is probably the last opportunity I have, or probably maybe maybe the best opportunity I have to get in there. There was several years where he was the top star in Hollywood, and it's like there's no reason to get in there and get in the ring and potentially get hurt and do that sort of stuff. Yeah, now he's on the board. He's got rights to the rock. He's down a little bit in, in, in terms of his curating and stuff like that. So I, I could see him maybe saying, ah, you know what? This is probably a decent year to do it. And he might be looking at father time and saying, look, if I don't do it now, I'm probably never going to be able to do it. So maybe there's never a right time. Fine, I'll just do it. Or maybe he doesn't do it. Who the fuck knows? But I, I feel like he is. I feel like there's too much hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge going on uh, for him to uh, to not be doing it. Well, what's interesting about these Royal Rumbles, Joe, um, 
not a lot of people to choose uh, predictions for. Uh, betting lines, I get why uh, CM Punk is pretty high in the betting lines because uh, there are, in the men's side, there is from the Raw brand, Cody, CM Punk, Shinsuke Nakamura, Drew McIntyre, Gunther, Kofi, Damian Priest. That's it. That's all they've announced yeah. from the Raw side. The SmackDown side, a little thinner, a little thinner. They've announced Bobby Lashley. Yeah, I think that That's it. we've had this conversation before. I think the strategy is announce the big stars so people know whether the stars are going to be in it or not. And then leave the other spots open because over the years, it's become this thing where the surprises are part of the draw. So they're never going to tell you 25 people. No, they're good. Those days now they're going to, now they're going to tell you 12 people. Okay. And then, you know, that buzzer is going to ring and, and, and fucking, you know, Austin theory is going to come out and you're going to be like, I don't know who cares. And you're (laughs) just going to wait just, you know, you, you know, Oh, another mid. Yeah, here comes another mid card. The, the music that you you don't know who anyone's music is. It's like five, four, three, two, one. You're like, who the fuck is this? You're yeah. like Austin Theory. All right, I didn't know what Austin Theory's music is. Great, now I do. Like, I guess you know. Oh, it's Madcap Moss. Of course. How did I not know it was Madcap? Everyone's song is the same. You have no idea who anyone's song. You know the stars' songs, but. 95% of that roster, the buzzer's going to sound, and you're going to hear this weird rock riff and have no fucking idea who it is, and then it's going to come up, and you're like, oh, it's, it's Butch. Okay, <laughs> that's Butch. You're, you're waiting around for the for the two or three surprises that are stars. You're going to get your your NXT guy that they're going to you know, uh, surprise you with and maybe like a, a return, you know, someone you think, from another uh, era. No, I know, I know we're trying to uh, avoid controversies right now, but uh, they didn't avoid controversies on Monday when they announced that uh, Hulk Hogan is completely back in the fold uh, in WWE, getting a Mattel line and helping them promote their new 2K game. So I guess that's water under the bridge, all the other Hulk Hogan stuff. Uh, we're in Tampa Bay uh, for this here Royal Rumble. Do you think, uh, think the Hulkster's coming out? Yeah. I do too. It's Tampa. I mean, <laughs> those back people in the fold. and those people that are like, oh, I might never watch WWE anymore after this Vince McMahon stuff will be uh, bowing to, to Hulk Hogan. <laughs> you, know what I mean? you think the Hulkster will, uh, you think there's a chance he'd take a bump over that top rope and enter the Royal Rumble? I don't know. Is he capable of taking a bump? Over yeah, I don't know if he's, ca- he might, he might have to iron chic this thing and not. I don't know if he's capable of I'll take his way into winning. I can't <laughs> right, he, take might, he might mill Mascaris this and no yab and yeah. say, ah, I don't know. Yeah, he what what he might do is something will happen and he'll like climb over the top rope on his own power or something like that. And that's I don't even know if he could do that. Can he get his hips up that high? Well, they you know they that rule changes depending on what they feel like. Yes, yeah. it being that year. So I I don't I don't even know because that's what Mil Mascaris did. He did a dive to the outside on mm-hmm. his own, but they said he was out. Uh, but then we've seen Randy Savage did that from... to attack uh, Jake Roberts, and they were like, ah, he can go back in the ring. Come on, <laughs> right, right. And who was the person who ran away from Jake the Snake? Andre? Was he eliminated yes, when that yes. happened? Yes, Andre or... jumped over the top to get away from the snake. And then, yeah, they were like, oh, shit. He was out? I think Andre was out that year. Yeah, they they switch. <laughs> they switch a lot. It, it's whatever, yeah, whatever suits the, you know, what, what they're trying to do. But, um, no, yeah, I'm sure they'll trot Hogan out there. He's not going to be in the match, obviously. <laughs> I, I, don't I, I don't know. I don't know. 
Well, speaking of people who I'm not sure if they could take a bump over the top rope, it's Bailey is the favorite on the women's side. Oh, she's just a mess. Are, I mean, are they sure about that one? I'm not sure if it's Bailey could do that. He's the favorite. As, well, she as might be Sheik the Iron Sheik. She might says, be Sheiky Baby. She might not be able to take a bump on her legs anymore. Know, so, the old Aunt Pam from uh, Shake Them Ropes is is the favorite here. Huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. Well, there's only four names announced for the women's. They're, they're, the women's one, if you think the men's is bad, they they never announce people for the women's rumble. It's Bailey, Nia Jax, Becky, and Bianca. That's all we got for the women's. And and I don't assume that there's going to be that many more announced. It's kind of the way they always well, do it. That's kind of how they do I have, it. Well, I got to ask you, do you think the boss will be in the women's rumble? I don't know. Good opportunity for her if she wants to. She. I saw my Bruce Springsteen. Oh. Boss. <laughs> Minoru um, Suzuki, of course. Yeah, so right, right, who right, are you right. referring to? Um, no, look, there are some people insistent that she is not going back and that the negotiations fell apart. Um, it is pro wrestling. So you, you gotta have to, you gotta leave the door open for this sort of thing being a work. But, um, Sean Ross Sapp at least is very confident that it's not going to happen. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't have any inside information on it. Um, who else would qualify as a big surprise on the women's side? I can't even really. Oh, the women's Jade, side. obviously. Jade Cargill. Yeah, dude, if they don't find a spot for Jade Cargill in this thing, then what are we really doing here? Yeah, but then they want her to get tossed over and lose in her first. I, I don't know. I don't. They, they got to do something with her, right? I love this. I, mean, I love this retcon that we were doing now. Where now everyone's like, oh, you can't expect that much out of her. <laughs> you can't, you assholes told us that she was the right. biggest thing since sliced bread, and it would come out of limos. Right. You can't then. We're the this. ones who said. We're the ones who said. I don't know. <laughs> right. She's not too. She's not that good. You guys you said, know? "Wow, this you, is the biggest signing in in, in, in history." Right. Oh my God, look at this. This is a star. This is a WrestleMania man event. Or the second she steps into that building, and now it's like, ah, oh, well, you know, I didn't train her very well at AEW. She might not be ready for all we throw at her and stuff. And it's like, dude, if you. Can't, if you can't figure out a way to use her in a Royal Rumble, then I don't know, man. I don't know. But you're right. These Do they w- want to toss her out? I don't know. Listen, these WWE fans, they have no fucking standards. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't matter how bad she is. They're going to say that she cooked. You know it. <laughs> they think Lexus King is good. It's cooking. <laughs> I mean, somebody, somebody made a very innocuous critical tweet about the rock's daughter ava who by the way fucking sucks is the drizzling shit she's so (laughs) bad she's so bad they don't let her wrestle anymore no she's now an authority figure and now officially the nxt general manager which i thought she was that before but now she's officially the nxt general manager i don't know what she was before when she was making so because they know that she can't wrestle because she's the shits and there's just no hope in her being a wrestler they're trying to get if she was anyone else's child she'd just be cut okay but they're trying to find something for her to do because she's the rocks kid so they gave her the gm role and the talking role here's the problem she can't talk (laughs) yeah one problem (laughs) one problem she is completely talentless she might be the nicest girl ever but she has no talent none and they know it. And someone made a tweet this week. I don't know who. Some random account said basically, oh, I guess charisma skipped a generation. Something like that. <laughs> yeah. And which is 
I mean, very o- true. obvious. Very true. <laughs> very obvious to anybody who watches NXT for even two minutes. That person got destroyed. How dare you criticize a 22-year-old trying their best? It's like this person got told that she's 22 about uh, 150 times in the quote tweets. She's on national television. And don't don't come at me with the developmental brand bullshit. This show's on USA, and it's going to be on network TV. Right, it gets paid a, a lot of money to be on that, those channels. All right. She is open to criticism. This idea that you can't criticize people because they're in NXT or you can't criticize people because they're 22 is bullshit. Because I can name you a hundred wrestlers, if you gave me the time, that were great by the age of 22. It is no excuse. She's been in the, the, the PC for years. And they know she stinks, which is why they don't let her wrestle anymore. This is the clearest case of nepotism in the history of a business that has been built on nepotism. <laughs> yes. And this is the clearest case ever. I mean, she is Mike Von Erich. She's like, she's awful. I won't go as far as Chris Von Erich, but she is Mike Von Erich bad. My, actually, you know, Chris isn't even, it's not that far off from Chris. You know, this is, uh, Angelo Mosca, name whoever. Yeah, it, it's She's it's awful. in the pantheon. It's it's in the pantheon, man. It's 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 sub Eric Watts, really. Oh, whoa, my God, Eric Watts works circles around Avery. Yes, I mean she is just talentless. It's but, sub Joel Watts. It's sub Joel Watts too, I think, because at least Joel Watts could kind of talk, sort of, not really, but I have no problem with Joel Watts. Did a nice job as a commentator. He put together all those video packages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was right. useful. I had no problem with Joel Watts. Listen, she's talentless. And the fact that it's like we talk about this all the time is critique going away because it's like you're a bad person if you just say that. You got to be able to critique things. You can't watch her like by you saying, oh, you can't say that because she's 22 or you can't say that because she's in developmental. Or you need to give her time. Well, you're admitting that she is bad then. Right, right. You're not saying that she doesn't suck. You're just saying you can't say she sucks because she's 22. And the worst part is you see a lot of people go, oh, well, it took took the Rock some time too. Remember Rocky Mayavea? Remember? Hold on now. (laughs) Let me explain something to people. Okay. Everyone in wrestling knew instantly that this guy was going to be the biggest star in wrestling. Right. He took one bump and Pat Patterson said, that guy's a future main eventer right now. From day one, Jim Cornette, Pat Patterson, uh, you go right. And everyone, all the uh, Jim Ross, they laid eyes on him and said, he is going to be a star unless something, an act of God intervenes. This guy is going to be one of the biggest stars in the history of the business. It was obvious before day one that he had overwhelming natural charisma there is no comparison between Dwayne Johnson and his dopey daughter who has no talent no comparison whatsoever she has no talent for this thing maybe there's something else in life that she can do this ain't it and there's nothing wrong with saying that so that that bothered me when I saw, I know I shouldn't get worked up over dumb people on Twitter. It's like a waste of time and everything. But this idea that you got to give her time like her dad, her, 
that was Von Vince McMahon. Right, I was going to say, it wasn't her dad's fault that Vince McMahon had the worst fucking gimmick possible for him is you are a good rookie and you have family members that were stars before, so that's going to be your gimmick. And it it was basically a year where he was quote-unquote bad, and then halfway through that year, they figured it out, turned him heel, and then he was off to the races. It wasn't and long. No one, and, and no one, and it's rewriting history. No one thought he was bad. They thought the presentation was bad. Everyone knew that the potential was there. Nobody sees potential in Ava. So also, and he anyways, was he I, was, but again, he was also that's a rewriting history. So he debuts the Survivor Series nineteen ninety six. By the by, a year later, he's been knee deep in the Nation domination. And is very clearly getting over as a, so it was like. Six months where he, quote-unquote, wasn't over or wasn't had needed time to figure it out or whatever. By the beginning of 1998, he figured it out. And by two years after that, she's been in development for four years, by the way. Two years after that, he was the biggest star in wrestling. From when his did debut. she sign? She signed in 2020. She's now going into her fourth year. Yep. Where was The Rock? Like you just said, where was he going into? By the fourth year, he was, he was already winding down his wrestling career to go to Hollywood. <laughs> By the yeah. time he was in his fourth year of wrestling. This is the comp that people are making. So <laughs> right. this is my point here on Ava. Okay? And, and one one more thing before I tie this to Jade Cargill. Rich, you're a big NBA fan. Uh-huh. If an NBA player gets drafted in the first round and it's very obvious he stinks by the age of – that forget 22 by the age of 19 or 20 is it inappropriate or uncouth to say that the player stinks and probably doesn't have a future or do people freely express that opinion right most of the time people are able to kind of freely ex- express that opinion now it's sort of when changing it's a, when, when it's, it's obvious, obvious that's sort of changing a little bit but you know because people are, are are very 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 sensitive to criticism these days in all walks of life but for the most part you can say that a, a third year player that's not working out is a bust and not working out and i'm talking about serious sports critique right. not geeks right right like in the real world of sports critique would anyone fail to pull the trigger on espn or something no God, if no. it's very obvious after three or four years that somebody stinks anthony bennett Oh yeah, people, something. and he was a guy who everybody knew day one. He, he stepped on the court, and everyone was like, "This dude's not ready," and, and he nice never guy. was ready. Yeah, he was never ready to go. Oh, you gotta leave him alone. He's twenty years. Old. No, <laughs> critique is critique. Okay, there's NFL quarterbacks that get drafted, lose their job after a year and a half, and they never, you know, and everybody says they stink and they never play. That's just the way it goes. You're a professional. You get paid a lot of money, and you're on TV. You're you're open to critique. But the point here is modern WWE fans, they don't have any fucking standards. Okay? So Jade Cargill doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to have improved. Right. If she goes into this Royal Rumble and blows three spots, she's still going to get praised and put over by their fan base. And that's really all that matters. You and I can come on here and scream all day how she had two left feet and looked terrible. It's not going to matter. Because they're the modern WWE fan base, they just they they're not critical of anyone, so it doesn't make a difference whether they're good, they're bad, or anything. These people don't know what good and bad. They don't know the difference, and that is a credit to how WWE has built their business and and has promoted their talent mm-hmm. and cultivated a fan base, uh, a fanatics. And cultivated a fan base, because that's a great thing to have to where your fan base just thinks everything is great. So I don't even know what they're worried about with Jade. Just fucking get her out there. 
These people accept anything. Who else you think could show up? I mean, Trinity is a lock, right? Oh, she, yeah. We're I feeling that, that glow. One, We're feeling that glow for sure. I, I'm <laughs> most confident about that one, I think. I, I'll put that at 100% chance of Trinity showing up. I, I, I would be as confident as you are that MJF's not showing up. I'm as confident that Trinity's showing up. Uh, to that one. I don't know. Trish is going to come out and they're going to pretend, oh my god, it's Trish Stratus, even though she was just there like two months ago. You know, we're going to do that song and dance. Kelly Kelly will get her fifth different Royal Rumble surprise pop. Michelle McCool will come out. I, you know, the same old bullshit. You got to get your always. NXT. You got to get like Roxanne Perez out there. Yeah, like, yeah, seven yeah. Minutes, right? Yeah. Tiffany so, Stratton, maybe. Yeah. That that seems like a good one to maybe put her in that spot and, and kind of promote her a little bit. I don't know. Who cares? What else we got on the Royal Rumble? Uh, Not a whole lot else, Uh, Joe. You got Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens for the United States Championship. That could be really good. That That I'm interested in that. I am interested in that. That could be really good. You know, Logan Paul, he's going to be in there with someone who's not going to do like flippy doos with him, like Ricochet or, or, you know, uh, he had a match with Seth Rollins, right? Who else did he have a match with? Did Uh, he have a match with Seth Rollins? No, he had a match with. Yeah, of course. uh, No, no, at WrestleMania. Seth Rollins, Ricochet. um, You know, he's been in there with people who are, are going to, you know, uh, work, be willing to work his thing. Kevin Owens is going to want to have a physical match. So that'll be, look, I'm looking forward to, it. I think that's an interesting match. Now, Logan Paul is one of the few guys in this, this company that I still actually look forward to watching with how weird as that is. Uh, and then a fatal four way for the undisputed WWE universal title, Joe Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton versus AJ Styles versus LA Knight. Ah, I think Roman's going to drop the title here, Joe at Royal Rumble. No. You think LA, LA Knight could pin? They're going to tell you this a lot, I'm sure. LA Knight could pin AJ Styles, and Roman Reigns cannot even be pinned and lose his undisputed WWE Wouldn't Universal that, Championship. You know I'm rooting for that. That be would great. be a funny way to end all of this. <laughs> right, LA Knight pins I, AJ Styles, and it's over. Or AJ Styles pins LA Knight, and it's just like, oh, all yeah. right. <laughs> There's the end of your fucking story. AJ right. Styles pins Yeah, LA finish Knight this story. And, Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> finish that jerk off. Yeah. <laughs> right. Hey, this styles not even the styles clash he just does the fucking phenomenal forearm or whatever to la night and it's like yeah because roman so what happens is roman spears randy through the barricade the crowd goes oh my god holy shit holy shit the michael cole goes what did we just see you know what i mean as, as they're lying on the ground and then aj styles is the phenomenal forearm to la night one two three your new undisputed universal yeah. champion AJ Maybe he'll, be, he'll bust out the calf cutter from his new japan days and <laughs> yes Submit LA Knights in the center of the ring, much to everyone's confusion. Maybe Yujiro yeah. will come out and help him too. Maybe uh maybe Okada's not it's the true. only guy. Maybe not the only guy leaving uh New Japan huge, this month. Huge huge in a hoodie comes out. <laughs> right. I'm gives him the Miami Pimps or whatever it's called. Tokyo yeah. Pimps. No, the uh Miami Shine. What does he call that shit? Whatever. Uh, Yujiro? Yeah, I don't know. I think Andrew Rich is listening, so um, he'll 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 let us know in the note of chat room, but uh <laughs> His, he has like four finishers, but he never wins. So it's like, <laughs> yeah, you forget yeah. what they are. I think, I think you're thinking of something with the Miami. It's Miami something. something. Miami. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't remember which one it is, but uh... yeah. Um, what else we got on this Royal Rumble show? That's it. That's it, Joe. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> see you Saturday. No, Gunther. He'll be a factor in the end. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, he set the record Always last year for the longest Royal Ru- time in a Royal Rumble match. So. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, Miami Shine. I had it right. The Miami Shines. What's the other one that he's got? He's that, got it, another one. 
it's Tokyo Pimps or something like that, right? Or is it Pimp? There's... That's what I said. Tokyo Pimps and I think it's Miami Tokyo Shines. Pimps and Miami Shine are the two. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, you might even have another one. When's the last time you hit one of those <laughs> in a ring? I don't remember the last time I seen Yujiro Takahashi drop the. Uh, I the Miami can't remember the last time he like scored a fall. Like I don't, <laughs> you know. Because the Miami so Shine's like know. that fireman's carry thing, right? He like puts him on his shoulders and then. All right, now you're taking it too far. I have no idea what. Shit, it's. I think it's like yeah. It's like a fireman's carry, but then I forget what he does after that. I think it's just like a slam. I think it's just a fireman's carry into a slam. Who cares? Yeah. It's Either way, easy. huge, huge coming out at the at the Royal Rumble to uh, help AJ Styles win the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. So WWE. <laughs> um, some quick, right. some quick contract season notes as we're we're actually it's winding down because we have less and less contract season. Kevin Patrick out as the uh, play-by-play man on uh, on Monday Night Raw. So that kind of came out of nowhere, right? Kevin Patrick, the uh, Irish guy that was Yeah, playing. yeah, it was always a weird fit for him because he was a backstage guy, and then they moved him into the main role as the main commentator on the main show, and I was like, I don't know if that's going to work. And uh, it really didn't. It really, really didn't work. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Now he, he's gone. They just flat-out released him. Yeah, so the only other... Um, Note I have is uh, Musashi, who has announced that he is leaving Mishinoku Pro. And what's interesting is he did work the um, Super Junior Tag League with Yo. Do you remember that? Yes. Last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other interesting thing about that, he looked really great on the tour, I thought. And Master Watto has blown out his knee. I don't yeah. know if you saw that. I did see that. Yeah, he's going to be out for a while. Was it ACL? If I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be a while. And replacing him, I believe, on the Fantastica Mania shows is Musashi, who announced mm. he's leaving Mishinoku Pro mm. and who looked really good on his last New Japan tour. I'm connecting some dots here. I you know, think I, you got I, something there. I think there's a chance they can just bring this guy in. I mean, this looks to me, do you remember? I don't remember who got hurt last minute, but. Dookie was a replacement. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I forget who. Yeah, I forget who he replaced. He did good on the tour, and they gave him a spot. Okay? Uh, El Desperado. El Desperado. I looked it up. El Desperado had to get pulled. Right. And I think Despi knew him from working in Mexico or something and might have recommended him or something like that. Someone someone was tight with him. Um, The point here is this reeks of a similar situation, right? The guy works the tour, teaming with Yo. He looked great on the tour. Now Mr. Watto gets hurt. They can call anyone they want. Who do they call? They call this guy who looked great the last time he was there. He also announces he's leaving his home promotion. I don't know, man. I feel like this guy's going to be a New Japan wrestler sooner than later. It seems to make a lot of sense. So. Yeah, it seems to make all the sense in the world. And and they're probably going to be in, in some sort of minor restocking mode as, as a few guys uh, you know, yeah, are possibly leaving. And... some talent. Yeah. So... Um. Yeah, so I mean, I I thought that was an interesting one, and I don't, I don't see a lot of people talking about it now. Watto's being replaced by Oleg Bolton on some of the New Beginning tour shows in some of the undercard tags, but I think it's Musashi who's replacing him on the uh, Fantastic Mania shows, which makes a lot of sense because Musashi can work that style. You know, he's a Mishi Pro guy, and they've got that you know, kind of Lucha Riso. He's got that Lucha Riso background to him. So, um, 
yeah, I think if that does happen, that'll be a nice little pickup for New Japan. So we keep an eye on that. That's all I got, though. I think contract season, this might be the last update. I think it's yeah, starting Camille, to wind down. We're, we're still wondering about Camille. I know still that. Still waiting uh, on that. Still yeah, waiting it, on Sasha and Okada. Right, right. Names. The, one, the one thing about Camille, though, is I know that it was mentioned that she was pretty much a lock to go to WWE, but then I think she was backstage at AEW last week or something. So I don't know if that's just kicking the tires or whatever, but she's a potential person you could have at the Royal Rumble. But I don't know if she's a big enough person to debut at the Royal Rumble or enough people in Tampa are going to know who Camille is. I don't know if that's the right spot to debut her I, I think there's probably better spots to if you're going to sign her and, and do stuff with her I, I don't know if you say oh my god that's new WWE signing Camille like I guess she could I mean that's not a, you, you, there's nothing you, you can't you could still do that if you want but I just don't know if it really has any legs to it I don't know if there's really anything that's going to result from yeah that, I don't know um you know she's she's been in an AEW ring when they were doing things with the NWA so it seems as though to me, the NWA, which by the way, it's, it, I'm glad you brought that up because it's now official. The The reality show is also going to be on the streaming, the CW app, not CW proper. Oh, so we'd have this it. settled. And I, you know, the thing about it is it, it seems like even with this, whatever this CW deal entails, which has to be for some, it can't be, they're not doing it for nothing because CW has exclusivity. Because NWA is not doing pay-per-views anymore, and power is moving to the app. Billy Corgan would not give up his pay-per-views, even with the meager buys they were doing, and move all of the powers over from YouTube and whatever that money was, whatever money was being generated from that, which again, probably wasn't a ton of money, but it's something. He wouldn't give all of that to CW exclusively for free, Okay. Uh, that that's just preposterous. It doesn't make any sense. So there has to be some kind of they're they're getting something out of the CW deal, but I suspect it's not much because when you look at that roster, it is dire. It's I bad. mean it is. Yeah, I looked at the tapings and I was just like, oh boy, <laughs> this is. I mean, they just can't afford any talent, and they're using really low level indie people connections through whatever you know uh, Joe Kazana has with his you know independent promotion. And just, you know, they bring in people that you've never heard of, you know, from the indie scene. And they're slowly, you know, like Tyrus retires. I'm sure he was making more money than most of the people on the roster. Camille's leaving. I'm sure she was making more money than most of the people on the roster. And, you know, you just get the sense that cash flow is still a problem with them, even for whatever money that they're getting out of this CW deal. Now they had seven pay-per-views last year. So let's say they did a little under 200 buys for the last pay-per-view. Let's say they do 200 buys on seven pay-per-views, 1400 pay-per-views, uh, four pay-per-view buys times 40 bucks is $56,000. You do the split with fight. They made roughly, let's call it $30,000 on pay-per-view. <laughs> last yeah. Year. Okay. So work. now to give that up, that's almost nothing. So to give that up, plus give up whatever they're generating on YouTube. What would a YouTube video that does, Let's see what their last power did on YouTube. NWA. Uh, we can estimate at least. Um, I don't know. Let's call it. They did forty thousand views. Yeah, what do you think I mean, that's, YouTube video I think that's a couple hundred bucks. I think that's a couple hundred bucks. I mean, that that's probably in the in the in the ballpark. A lot of it depends on what your other videos are doing. But I mean, I'll, if all their videos are doing pretty well, that's. I don't know, a couple hundred bucks, maybe 500 bucks. 
So per month, now they've got a bunch of videos up. Um, can, all right, let's just estimate high. Let's say they're doing 10,000 a month on YouTube. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a high. very high estimate okay, for it, sure. But, but yes. High. Well, how much then? What, 5,000? Uh, yeah, maybe 5,000. 5, I'd probably put it at. That's 60,000 a year plus the 30,000 a year for the pay-per-view. So let's say they were generating about $90,000 a year via YouTube and pay-per-view. Let's call it an even 100,000 with ticket sales. CW probably could have purchased the point I'm getting to here is CW probably could have purchased exclusivity for well under a million dollars a year. And and it would be a good deal for Billy, right? If the CW comes to the table and says, we'll give you $300,000 a year for power and it, it just exclusivity for every match that you produce. Billy has to take that, right? Oh, uh, yeah. We just yeah. did the math. <clears throat> and yeah, how far does that 300000 go? You know, how much of that goes to producing the shows themselves? Like, they're making nothing. No, right. it, it so was the most to... vanity project of all vanity projects. It was an all time. It, it's what the term means. You know what I mean? And that I don't know if the, the term money mark is is very demeaning. I don't I don't know if I really love that term, but it, it was a vanity project for Billy Corgan because he likes wrestling, and I'm sure he was just bleeding money to have those things happen. But at certain points, if someone's going to offer you some sort of deal, some sort of money to do this, then yeah, of course you have to take it. You have to take it. You know, but what I'm saying is, they're paying him something. I just don't think it's a significant amount. No. If he's getting a million dollars per year, that is such a win for him. Because we just did the math and what they're generating. I mean, they're they're lucky if they're generating a hundred thousand dollars a year in gross revenue. Unless we're greatly undershooting the YouTube. Right, which but I could have be, a but even that <laughs> but even that I, right. I I think they're not making up that difference. Like you like you said, the, the two numbers you gave what, three hundred thousand or a million as as potential like they're not. They're I not. think that based on our math, they're generating like $100,000 a year in gross revenue. Right, right, right. Maybe, hey, maybe I'm underestimating it, but I could, I'm not underestimating it at, at, at like three times. It's, it's maybe, 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 maybe at best double what I estimated. What's that? 200000 right. well, That's what I said. That's what I said. Instead yeah. of 100000 a month. Oh, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 right. That, that's as high so as that, I would go. That's as high as I would go. I don't think it's any higher. Even if we that. give credit for that, then they're making, then they're grossing one hundred thirty thousand dollars a year in, in, in whatever they're doing in tickets, which we know is minimal. How much are their their houses? Maybe a couple thousand dollars. You know, when they draw, it probably doesn't cover the building. Honestly, they draw five. Let's say they draw five hundred people to a show at thirty bucks a pop. I mean, and that's a high estimate. That'd be fifteen thousand dollars. Um, you know, minus whatever the expenses are in that, you know, it's a couple thousand dollars. And I don't even know how many times they've drawn 500, 500 people last year. Some of their pay-per-views probably do. So I don't know. It's, it's, I was just trying to figure out what CW might be paying them. And it doesn't have to be a ton for Billy to take that deal. And, you know, the results to that last show, I don't even think they're out anywhere yet because, like, there's no one to report the results. <laughs> right, because it's who's very going... out of sight and very out of mind at these days. I had one person that, uh, that did go to the show, actually. Let me see these paranoia tapings. Let me. I, I got a report from somebody who was at the shows. Let me get the uh, exact message they sent me. Uh, and they teased that they were going to tell me more, but uh, didn't, uh, 
say, um, quote, this is the most boring, soulless, and just weird pro-level show I've ever been to. I've been to a lot of bad shows. This was the worst. I'll spare you all the details, but never again. So you know someone who was there? Yes. It's a paranoia. Yep. Wow. But they won't tell me the details. They're like, just don't even worry about it. It's over. So it was terrible. <laughs> uh, not good. Yeah. Apparently the worst show they've ever been to. Last little lineup. And I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Looks like really uh, argue. Looks like a lineup that could um, be bad. All right. What else we got? Okada? Let's talk about Okada real quick before we get out of here. Um, where do, how do you want to start this? I mean, last week it, we kind of broke as we were on the air, so we kind of just had to impromptu talk our way through it. Mm-hmm. Now we've had a week of reflection. Um, I don't know. I one thing I see in a lot of places that he should have lost to some people on the way out, and people are there's there's now being anger directed at him uh, by some New Japan fans. Here's the thing. When was he supposed to do all these jobs? Because I looked it up. The news that he was talking to Barry Bloom broke in mid-December. The earliest date I could find was December 17th. Okay. And that is when the, there was, he was rumored to be talking to Barry Bloom. And it, it wasn't even confirmed that he had hired Bloom. So already you're talking, you know, just a few weeks before Wrestle Kingdom when the Brian Danielson match had already been scheduled. So you're not going to tear up that match and stick him in a match with fucking yo with whoever name your fucking young guy that you want him to lose to. Right. Then he didn't even announce that he was officially leaving the company until a last Thursday afternoon. So the, and, and you know, the company wasn't aware because they had to rip up all, all of the, the entire tour and rebook everything and take them off of all of the shows. So they weren't aware that he was leaving. They were aware that he, might leave but they weren't aware that he was officially leaving until last thursday so i would like to know when he was supposed to do all of these jobs to all of these young guys can someone explain that to me why how new japan dropped the ball here how okada is being selfish when no one knew he was leaving until last thursday so what did you want him to do did you want him to do a bunch of jobs between December 17th and fucking yesterday. I don't understand when he was supposed to do these jobs. I don't know how you can blame the company for this. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now I will say I was a little, I was a little surprised to see that they retained the never open weight six man titles though at the, at the road to new beginning show uh, earlier this week. It was uh, Okada, Ishii and, and, and Tanahashi against TMDK, uh, Kosei Fujita, Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes. And they won the match, retained the titles. And then after the show, uh, Okada said that he was vacating the title. So I was a little surprised by that, 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 that seems like a good opportunity for him to lose to somebody. I mean, I know it's not anybody, but it's not somebody that you really, really need to push. But I think losing those titles to uh, Kosei Fujita or whatever would have been a nice little thing. But I, I get how maybe they thought it'd just be better for him to just go out on his own terms or whatever. It's it's Okada. I, I kind of get it in a sense. Like it's it's strange. I don't I, like if this was a lot of other guys and it was well known ahead of time. And if we know that Okada saying, no, it's not going to work for me, brother stuff, but it does feel like the timeline has been real shrunk. And it does feel like new Japan is maybe trying to be as nice to the guy as possible on the way out and, and, and really kind of give him, you know, a, a, a nice exit as opposed to saying, all right, we're just going to job you out for the next six months or whatever to everybody. I don't listen. I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't know how many new Japan fans are going to get mad at me. It's Kazuchika Okada. Okay, 
they're not going to bury him on the way out and have him lose a bunch of matches on this tour. He's going to be treated with the reverence he deserves. If you don't like hearing that because you feel like he's leaving and he's putting the company in a bad spot and he's the bad guy here, I don't know what to say to you other than too bad and grow up. It's Kazuchika Okada. They're not going to embarrass him on the way out. If you think Kazuchika Okada losing the dopey never open weight trios titles to is going to change the fortunes of the TMDK guys because they're the ones that beat him for those titles that nobody cares about, you're out of your mind. It doesn't make a difference. So he might as well win that match and they might as well do the Tanahashi match because it's Okada. He's one of the biggest legends in the history of the company. There's Antonio Inoki, and then the next guy might be Okada. You think they're going to beat him like a drum on the way out? No. They're going to treat him with the reverence he deserves. They're going to treat him like a legend. They're going to kiss his ass on the way out. That's just the way it is. You could be mad about him leaving all you want, but they're not going to job him out on the way. It's Kazuchika Okada. Okay? This isn't Jeff Cobb. This isn't uh, name. Any, this isn't Yujiro leaving the company. This is a, a legend. He saved the damn company. He was the biggest star during the biggest golden period in the history of the company. Look it up. Okay, they're not going to bury him in his final three matches after he decides he wants to go after seventeen years. Did you see him crying in the ring in Corican. You think this was an easy decision for him? Also, doesn't it doesn't the possibility exist that he's not leaving leaving, that he might be leaving but still able to come back to New Japan? You know, presuming that maybe he is signing with all, you know, AEW and and the ability to come and main event Wrestle Kingdoms and main event big time so like the, you know, that that might exist too and that might be a big reason why they don't want to job him on the way out and just have him lose a bunch. He might go to WWE, I don't know. But even if that's the case and he never comes back, they're not jobbing this guy out. They're not going to disrespect him like that. Okay, that's just not the way it's going to go. It's not realistic. You're not being realistic if you if you suggest that. They're not doing that. You think they're going to tear up the tour and then put him in there with, with fucking Yuya Uemura one night and beat him? Right, and a trial series where he just loses to all the next guys. Yeah. <laughs> And have him lose, and then have Oleg Bolton take him out. No, he's one of the biggest legends in the history of the company. You could argue he's number two behind Anoki. You might not win the argument, but you could argue that. So yeah, they're going to treat him with reverence on the way out the door. I'm sorry, that's how they're going to handle it. Okay, now if he had given them notice at the beginning of last year, then maybe it plays out a little different. Then maybe you pick a guy and you put him in a program with him, and ultimately he loses the program and he and he gets somebody over. But they didn't know he was leaving until last fucking Thursday. You can't go retcon at the whole year. Uh, you know, maybe they they knew he was thinking about it at some point. Then what do you do? You beat the guy like a drum, and then what if he decides he wants to stay? Like, this is all just, you know, it's it's gotten too emotional. And I understand that. But you got to set your emotions aside and you have to be logical about these things. And they're not going to embarrass the guy on the way out. They're just not going to do that. Not a guy at that level. They wouldn't do that to him or Tanahashi or Naito or somebody at that level. They're not going to do that. It's just that, you know, it's the way it's done. This isn't some random mid-carder. 
that you could use to get somebody over. It would have been nice if they knew ahead of time and then they, they could use, but that wasn't how this played out. They didn't know till a week ago. You've got to cut the company some slack here. I don't blame New Japan at all for how it's handling this. And I don't blame Okada for anything. He's 36 years old, and there's a lot of money out there to be made. And he wants to make it. I can't kill a guy for that. Would I prefer that he stays? Yes. Of course. I would love for him to stay in New Japan his whole career. I can't kill him for this. Even if he chooses WWE, when you've got these two companies throwing millions of dollars at him that, that New Japan cannot pay him, how can I kill him for this? I can't. It's not fair. So, I don't know. I, I From that standpoint, I think people are being, I get it, you know, I, but I think people are being a little too emotional about it. And I just don't understand when and where he was supposed to uh, allegedly do all these jobs. When? When and where? Tell right. me. Well, I, I think a lot of the perception is that he's ditching these guys and that they're pissed off about it or whatever. But maybe that's not. I mean, maybe this booking is showing us that that's not at all the perception. Maybe the perception is that they're you know, happy he's moving on to new opportunities, happy he's finding something new to do. Like, you know, it, it, that, you know, happy that they got him for the last decade and he saved the company. Like, I think there's the fan perception is fuck this guy. He's leaving us. You know, we don't want him anymore. Go away. Go be, you know, go over to WWE and AEW. Leave us alone. You're ditching, you know, Japan. Or you're ditching New Japan or whatever. And it doesn't look like maybe that they feel the same way about that New Japan. They don't feel like they're booking him like they're hurt or upset or angered or any of that sort of stuff. So that 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 might be, again, like you're saying, that the difference of how a fan would approach this and how Gato and New Japan management handles it with, you know, one of their all-time, all-time, all-time legends. Yeah, I, a guy at this level, they're not gonna they're not gonna handle it that way on the way out. They're just not. Um, you know, it's and he's gonna have the match against Tanahashi in Osaka. In hindsight, they probably wish they could have booked a bigger building, maybe do it in Osaka, Joe Hall. But they don't. And again, that's more proof they didn't know this was coming. You know, if they knew this was coming, yeah, the whole tour, done a whole yeah, a whole fucking yeah, tour centered around him leaving in gigantic buildings and. You know, drawing twice as many people, you know, and they packed Corkin tw- twice for his last two Corkin matches. And that Osaka match undoubtedly would have been in Joe Hall. Um, but, you know, it's uh, and 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 then, you know, whatever it is, they haven't even announced what he's doing on the um, on the Sapporo shows. So, you know, we'll see what he's doing there. But um, and then then he'll be wrapping up. And, you know, as he noted, his contract's up on the 31st. So. He even said in his promo he'll be working those February shows as a freelancer. And um, and then, you know, we see what decision he makes. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't think anybody really knows, has a good handle on what he's going to do. He might know what he's going to do, and he might be playing the other side, right? Like, he might know ultimately where he wants to be and where he's going to be. Like Will Ospreay, I think. Yeah, you got to talk to both. Yeah, with the benefit of hindsight, we know that Will Ospreay was not going to WWE with the benefit of hindsight, but it would have been foolish of him to play that hand. So, you know, he made it out like he was shopping his services everywhere. Maybe Okada knows where he wants to go. So, um, and, and a few yeah. people have asked in the note of chat, room, what, what do you guys think about the super J cast reporting that uh, Okada was refusing to put young talent over uh, on the way out? I would just say, listen to what, you know, listen to what they said. I don't, I don't know. I don't talk to anybody in New Japan. Okay, so. When, 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 when was he asked to do this? If they didn't even know he was leaving until a week ago. That's my question. 
They didn't know he was leaving until a week ago. So when was he, when, again, when allegedly was he supposed to put all these people over? Were you going to tear up the Wrestle Kingdom match with Danielson and get him in there with a young guy when that match was already booked and planned, obviously over the course of many months because they had a match at Forbidden Door to set it up and everything else. So it wasn't going to be at Wrestle Kingdom. So where was it going to be? You know, I maybe those guys heard that. Maybe somebody told them that. I would love to know when right, these right. matches were supposed to And be. I think a lot of it was, it wasn't like officially on record we're reporting this, but just that people they talked to said that that's what was going on. But were they working? Were they just kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudging or whatever? So just speculation about it or whatever. But but that's, people said, oh, are you guys going to talk about that? But that's the Super JK. You can listen to that on the, uh, uh, on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network uh, as well. So if you want to go that. And we also have a clip on YouTube. Um, that has the segment with Joel and Damon talking about uh, Okada and, and putting people over on the way out or whatever. So if you're interested in hearing more about that or maybe a, an alternative uh, perspective on it, that is available there on YouTube as well. So, yeah, Well, I mean, I just would like to know what the timeline would have been on that then. Because the timeline just doesn't lend itself to doing a bunch of jobs to guys on the way out. So, you know, that now... Did Okada know before Thursday that he was leaving? And for like, but you'd have to explain to me what his motivations would be to to dick around with the company and fuck with them and not tell them until last week. Then, like, what would be the motive for that? I don't, I don't understand what he gains mm-hmm. by not informing the company until last week that he's leaving. If he knew in his heart that he wanted to leave back in whenever the fuck. Well, then. I'm open to that, but you have to explain to me what he gains and what his motives would be for for holding off on telling them that he's leaving in January as opposed to telling people when he made the decision and whenever you think that he made it. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just, again, if someone wants to, debate me on the then tell me when he was supposed to do these jobs the answer would only be on this tour and they're not going to treat a guy like that in, in that like I said, they're not going to beat him like a drum they're not going to beat him like a drum on, on his last week you know having him in just... his last couple of matches and what's it going to mean anyway at that point when everybody already knows he's right leaving? you're just rushing guys out there to beat him that that doesn't mean anything what's the perception on that and what's it going to mean like the, the trios titles that you mentioned like okay what if they would have lost that match and Fujita beats him or whatever. What does that really mean? Is that, is that going to propel Fujita realistically? Not really. Because no. people are knowing this it guy's leaving. More, yeah. Yeah. It makes more sense for Okada to win and give the nice speech at the end. That makes more sense. You know, so, um, you know, I don't know. I, I just, that's my take on it. I'm, I Look, I, I'm well aware that a lot of people might disagree with that, but um in watching this play out as a New Japan fan, you know, I I don't, I'm not bothered that they're giving him a nice, respectful send-off because I think he deserves a nice, respectful send-off, Excellent. even though he made the decision to leave. It's a new world now, and I don't like it either. Okay? I don't like it, but it's the reality, and I can't blame the guy for wanting to go make a shit ton of money. Well, like we said too, it, it it might be the tenor of the company might not be the anger that some people think it is, and it might just be, yeah, we can't offer you the money that you deserve. So you know what, 
you, if, if they're going to offer you that money, go and take that. You, you know what I mean? That that could that's a very healthy way to end a relationship too. <laughs> I've ended relationships on on in good, very good ways as well. I'm sure you have too. Where it's just like you sit down with somebody and you realize it's not working, or they can't offer what you want, and then you say, "All right, well, you know, have enjoy the rest of your life," and you move on. You know, and and sometimes that's good. Sometimes that's a very healthy and mature way to do it. And then that might be the case here when New Japan simply saying, "Hey, look." You know, you you're you're at this point in your life, and they're going to offer you that much money. We can't match that, so you know what? Thank you for the last decade. Thank you for everything, and 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 here you go, and enjoy this, and hopefully we can work together again in the future. And that and that's a pretty healthy way to do it, and that's possibly what's happening. So who knows? I think Tanahashi's eating a rainmaker in Osaka. What do you think of that? Mm. Actually, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, that, I don't know about but, that. Um, I mean, I, why look, not? Yeah, why not? Tanahashi doesn't need the rub. Tanahashi doesn't need the rub. (laughs) He doesn't need the rub. Yeah. So, I don't know. Now we see we did the sides. I'm terrified he's going to go to WWE. I I would have morbid curiosity on how they introduce him and roll him out. And then, like everybody else that goes there, I would quickly lose interest in anything that he does after that. Because I just, you know, I don't care about that company. So, that's it. But I'm not super confident AEW would book him well either. Yeah, I just prefer he stay in New Japan, to be honest. But I mean, yeah, I, mean I think it's too, okay that he's leaving because, it, you know, it'll open up a spot for somebody else. But, yeah, I, I'm not very confident about him in any of the two American promotions, unfortunately. Yeah, you know, can I just say that quickly, too? I know we're out of time, but I think New Japan's going to be fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's not a huge loss. It's a massive loss. And I'm not saying that the landscape hasn't changed and now – this is a possibility, but here, here's something that people need to know. Okay. American promotions aren't going to be interested in all of your stars because you're going to have people that aren't a good fit for American wrestling. Kazuchika Okada is like a once in a generation talent. That's a good fit for any wrestling promotion. And he's over, he's Shinsuke, over in America. People know him in America. Yeah. He sells tickets here. He popped the, he helped them pop the Philly house when they added them to it. AEW. Nakamura has unique charisma that fits anywhere. Not everyone is a good fit for America. Okay. So there's going to be stars that they're not interested in. There's also going to be Japanese wrestlers who aren't interested in working in America for any amount of money that are, that are going to want to live and work in Japan because they're fucking Japanese and they love their country and they love where they live and they love their life. And, and, and money isn't going to talk in those instances. You, you know, I'm not saying you're never going to lose another top star. You're going to. But I don't think it's just going to be this thing where the American promotions just pluck every Japanese star they feel like plucking away anytime they wish. There's going to be ones that aren't a good fit or or don't want to make the move. Right. Now, I'm not saying that we're not in a whole new world and it's not going to be harder. It's absolutely going oh, to yeah. be hard. They're, 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 the money will be there and the challenges and the, and the desire to sign those guys is going to be there in a way that it was never there before. But I'm right with you, and I, I kind of wrote as such uh, in, in the article I did for Flagship Patreon that like Okada feels like a one-of-one one type of guy here where it's like here's a guy who who has friends in America, has – you know, close relationships with other American wrestlers has been to America a number of times. Wrestled in America is over in America. Has a desire to work in America. Not everybody else is like that. And and, and the biggest thing too is a ready-made star. Like anybody, uh, you know, WWE or AEW can sign that guy and put him on a show, and their fans are going to 
understand who he is and understand that he's a big star and, and, and get it right away. And that's not always going to be the case with some guys, especially if you're going to pay big money to get them, you know, lure them away from Japan into America. You need to guarantee that this guy's going to be a star. Okada is going to come out there and be a massive, massive star, whether he enters WWE or, or, or AEW. And again, that, that he's, he's a very, very, very rare case here that, yeah, I do not think that every single guy that's going to get over in Japan is going to get plucked up by AEW or WWE right away. That that's just, I, I think that's, it's easy to think that right now while, while the hurt is still, you know, while you're still hurting or whatever about Okada getting taken away. But he's, he's a very, very, very special case. And you have to be aware of it and you have to maybe change the way you book now. There's no doubt about it. But and, and now it's more of a looming danger if you do get someone over at that level. But, um, you know, I don't I don't think that this instantly means doom. And, you know, look. This is so reminiscent of 2016, and I know it's different now because there's two promotions and the money's bigger, but we were having these same similar conversations with the exodus of 2016 when those guys left, and I said the same thing. I said there's another crop of guys that they could push at any moment, and I think New Japan is very well positioned with a lot of young talent, and I think some of them are going to get over. I don't know. Why all of a sudden the narrative all year long was that this was a a year where they were preparing the next generation and doing a good job of it and setting the table for this next generation of guys. And now that Okada decided to leave, everyone's kind of switched gears and be like, oh, my God, they weren't ready for this. They don't have it. No, they've got plenty of guys ready. Now they have to execute and get them over. But they have the, the talent ready to step in. If they if they push them properly and execute. I think they're very well positioned to have an opportunity to get guys over to absorb this loss. Just like I said the same thing in 2016. If you go back and listen to those shows when they lost Styles and Nakamura, I'm like, they're going to be all right. Oh, yeah. yeah. We, we were the only right. people on earth being like, you know what? This is a good opportunity. New, this is a void. This leaves a void in the main event that's going to get filled by guys. And that's going to be awesome to see yeah. the elevation of those people that are going to have to fill that void. Yeah, and you had Kenny Omega and everybody else step right in, and everything was fine. Now, I don't think, you know, look, it's they're thin at the top right now. There's no doubt about it, and they have to do the work and get these guys over properly, and that's not a given. Gato has a great track record of getting people over, but he's been in that position a long time, and not many bookers have been in the position that, I, historically, there's not many bookers who have been in the position that long. And, you know, who knows if he still has the right ideas. But do they have people on the bench ready? We all know who they are. There's a half a dozen of them. There's a half a dozen of them. We'll see if they get them over. I don't think the situation is as dire as people are making it out to be. I really don't. While it's not ideal, I think they can survive it. And I think that, you know, it could be a situation where a year and a half, two years from now, you're thinking we're having the same conversation we had after 2016 where it's like well that worked out nicely you know what would nakamura be doing all these years if he was still there right honestly yeah we're we're not the podcast we're the podcast that would love for everybody to move different places all the time because i think it'd be better for all of wrestling uh if people did that so yeah i i love the i love the challenge of saying all right that guy left cool we got to elevate a new guy a new man inventor new fresh you know we need a freshness thing because okada i mean there was really nothing left for him to do he's the, been the top guy for a decade it's like do you want him to be a top guy for another decade i mean i guess it's fine you know and i like okada i love okada but i think i i, lo- I am more interested in new japan 
in February than I have been in, in, in years because I want to see them take on this challenge and who gets elevated and who gets moved up and who you know, fills that, that, that tremendous void left by Okada because they're going to have to fill it with somebody. So one of these guys is going to have to step up, and that, that, that's pretty cool. I like that idea. Yeah, see what happens. I mean, you know, we'll see if they get some guys over. They got to move a little faster than they have traditionally. They, Gato's going to have to start moving quicker, yes. These you long know, that, arcs what, and these long stories. You don't think you can do these much anymore. I mean, you know, I, or, you know, you, you stay slow and steady and trust the process, but that's, that's, we're in a different time now. And as a booker, you have to adjust. You have to evolve. So maybe you just got to move a little quicker. But, I mean, I look, if I were the booker of New Japan, if I were a booker in one of these major companies and, and you know, I think New Japan, to lose their top star, they're in a better position than a lot of other companies would be in with what they have, with how they set the table this year with, with a lot of these guys. I'm still very bullish on Yota Suji and Yuya Uemura and Shota Aminu. I think all three of them have a chance to be real money-drawing stars. The other ones, I'm not so sure about. But it's also a little too soon for some of them, too. But those three, I think if handled properly, can step up and be and be real stars. But we'll see. We will see indeed. So, all right, that is it for us here on the Flagship Podcast. As we mentioned, we'll be back Saturday for Instant Reaction Live immediately following the Royal Rumble. So make sure you're subscribed to the $10 tier uh, over there at FlagshipPatreon.com. That is going to be uh, Saturday night immediately following the Royal Rumble. Uh, As well, Match of the Year is up right now at VoicesOfWrestling.com. By the time most of you guys listen to this, the top 10 will be live uh, on the website as well. But I do recommend... Uh, FlagshipPatreon.com, our $5 tier. We have a really, really great show analyzing, uh, the you know, revealing the top 10, but also analyzing the history of the match of the year, uh, as well as this year's and, and some news and notes and some statistical, you know, figures that, that really stood out to us about this year's poll uh, and the history of the poll. So that is available right now at the $5 tier. As we mentioned, a bunch of other stuff there at FlagshipPatreon.com as well. Voices of Wrestling, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord if you want to join the conversation there. And, of course, subscribe to the podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can get our podcast as well as everything else on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network uh, by subscribing to the main Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or uh, feeds for each individual show as well. So that is it for us. That is Joe. I'm Rich. We'll see you guys Saturday for Royal Rumble Instant Reaction Live. Take care. Bye. Hey, everybody. My name is Jesse Collings, and I want to tell you all about my show, The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. On The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast, we do a thorough analysis on the biggest issues and trends within the pro wrestling industry. We talk a lot about pro wrestling media. We talk a lot about fan culture and wrestling's place within general pop culture. And we talk about the broader influences that are shaping the way we discuss and analyze the pro wrestling industry. We've had some of the brightest minds in the pro wrestling intelligentsia on the show, including WrestleNomics host Brandon Thurston, both Rich Krejci and Joe Lanza from the Flagship Wrestling Podcast, Trevor Dame from the Through the Years Podcast, and a whole lot more. This isn't a show for hot takes. It's not a show recapping the latest episode of television. 
This is a show focusing on the biggest topics in pro wrestling and doing a deep dive on the real stories behind the surface level analysis you might find elsewhere. The Gentleman's Wrestling Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a try. Thanks.